I would like to start the episode by thanking some folks, folks like Will Proctor, George Mathis, Jeremy L., Adam Ned, and Anders Svensson. All of these are people who have gone to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv and kicked in a few bucks. Uh, this supports this show and the whole network of shows that we do, and we greatly appreciate it. You can be like them and go to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv, support us, and get lots of cool bonus stuff in return. Thank you. Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs. It is a Games Club podcast. And this week we are beginning our two-parter on Final Fantasy XII, which is an RPG developed and published by Square Enix for the PlayStation 2 in 2006. Yeah. Uh, and this is a collab. Uh, <laughs> this is a executive produced by Nat. Thank you, Nat. Thank you, Nat. Uh, and then uh, Cole was like, I really want to do this. Let's stretch it out. Yeah, you know, let's let's do it over a couple episodes. Uh, so we're doing it over two episodes. We might have tried to rush it previously. <laughs> You're right. Uh, who 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 knows? Uh, yeah, and and the game, you know, as as we'll we'll see, the game probably could support that, but mm-hmm. I'd prefer to to not. Agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, specifically, uh, we're going to be talking about the Zodiac Age version, which came out in 2017, I believe, 2018, something like that. Uh, but we're going to make some references to the, to the original where it improved because there's really no reason to play the original, as far as I can tell. Maybe there's some kind of like weird min-maxing thing or for challenge runs, things like that. It, the quality of life changes in Zodiac Age and even just like the fundamental changes to the way that uh, you progress, which is an important part of RPGs. All of that is a universal uh, a universal upgrade. Yeah, it, it's a, I can imagine the original version being there for sicko, sicko mode kind of yeah. thing. Uh, and there is min min maxing, you know, mm-hmm. some of the things that were, uh, in, in my opinion, like pretty trashy, like infamously the Zodiac sphere spear, uh, that nonsense was just taken out. Yeah. You know, that, that kind of stuff. So th- if you like that kind of thing that you could then manipulate really counterintuitively to get a very overpowered item, uh, I can understand wanting to play the original version. I think it, uh, I, I think the axis on which that version is going to appeal to you is: uh, Are you a big fan of the saga games? Uh, yeah, <laughs> it, if if you like it, counterintuitive and kind of hostile for the sake of yeah, uh, you know, kind of things. Um, I want to put this out. So this is the first time I played the Zodiac Age version. Mm-hmm. Uh, Final Fantasy twelve was the first Final Fantasy like I just fell off of. Mm-hmm. despite being like a fan for most of my life. Uh, there's like a pinpoint moment where I was like, I can't do this mm-hmm. uh, that happened when I was playing it. Um, this is the first time I be- I saw credits on it. 
uh, even right. though I had spoiled myself on the thing. And I will say, uh, I have a lot of things that are kind of frustrating to me about this game. Some of which are just genre staples. Some of which I think are specific to this game. Uh, I don't think I would have agreed to do it without the quality of life things that the yeah. Zodiac age adds. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is, it's hard to understate how impactful they are so much so that it literally, like if I were judging something on pass fail, this shunts it from fail into pass yes. for me. Um, it's literally straddles the line of like worth my time or not based yeah. on that. And uh, so take that with a grain of salt. If you're considering playing along with the show <laughs> or you hear this and it inspires you to replay, uh, that gets my full throated endorsement for what it's worth. Yes. I would not touch the original version with your hands. Uh, <laughs> the, the, so. the, the nice part is the original version. There's really, you know, unless you're buying original hardware um, or emulating it kind of, you know, you have to go to great lengths to, uh, to play the original now. Uh, whereas the Zodiac age version is just the most available on modern systems, including PC. Mm-hmm. Um, so you kind of have to go out of your way not to, not to get this. You know, since we're stating where we're at, I love this game. Um, mm-hmm. I uh, was a sicko for the original as well. Like that was what I was playing when we started up the, when we started up Watch Out for Fireballs eleven years ago. You know, mm-hmm. um, I was just playing it for fun because I was unemployed for a summer. Um, but um, I, even being a sicko for the original, uh, I have to say that the Zodiac Age is transformative. It does kind of take it from something where I would make a reserved recommendation of it. And here I can say like, oh yeah, this is, the, 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 this is the version. This is the, this is great. When when I say just real quick to clarify, when I say sicko, I mean people who would prefer it now. Oh yeah, like at the at the time we didn't know any better. You know, I'm not <laughs> saying people who who liked Final Fight, like we didn't know that there, that a better alternative version of this existed. Right. I'm not saying people who liked this when it came out were sickos. I'm <laughs> saying that if you if you choose it now, the original version, you are making a specifically like I would prefer the hot more hostile version. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's what I mean. Mm-hmm. No, nobody's a sicko for digging this when it came out because it was very popular. Yeah. That's uh, a Final Fantasy game. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Built in popularity yeah. for these bad boys. Uh, the story of this game follows a group of rebels uh, in the land of Ivalis, uh, stuck in between a conflict between two empires, Arcadia and Rosaria. Um, this is a prequel to Final Fantasy Tactics. Uh, mm-hmm. Ivalis, you know, if that rings a bell, that's why. This yeah. is set in the the far, far, far before times of Final Fantasy Tactics. Yes. Uh, it is closer to the Final Fantasy Tactics Advance version. You know, it's not literally a storybook in this. You know, this is not an isekai kind of thing. Um, however, uh, we do have things from Final Fantasy XI here. We have the um, uh, the Benga. We have the Viera, uh, kind of some of the different non-human races. Whereas by the time Final Fantasy Tactics and Vagrant Story are reached, things are a little bit less uh, less fantastical. Yeah, they're just they just it's just people. Yeah, you know, and and it it it's interesting because Final Fantasy Tactics concerns itself with kind of the the gods or magic coming back, the ancient religion. This is where that first kind of got uh, shown false. Yeah, like basically, like the gods, and all that stuff. You know, it's it's pretty standard mm-hmm. uh, stuff. The gods are not gods; <laughs> they're just mean aliens. You yeah, know, basically. Yeah. Uh, uh, be- yeah, because this is an evilist game. You know, it is in the setting. There's a certain kind of story that is going to be told, uh, you know, power mm-hmm. struggles, uh, you know, kind of the insignificance of individuals who are at the uh, kind of at these <laughs> basically under the sway of these larger forces that move uh, irrespective of them. 
mm-hmm. we're caught. You know, like we spend most of our time in these border kingdoms between the two empires, uh, you know, centered around Dalmasca, kind of this desert kingdom uh, and its capital of Rabinaster. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and there are, this is the first, uh, you know, game of, of this type of definitely an evil ace, which concerns itself with like a realistic countryside. Yes. This is a huge open game. Like you, mm-hmm. you walk around big fields, you know, as opposed to being a desert where like my sprite is the same size as a town and every <laughs> step I'm taking is abstracted, like miles of travel. You just go, you just walk it. You know, yeah. you stay in, in real time and, and you walk the land. Um, as part of this, they do not uh, have random battles. Um, enemies are just wandering around. They're engaged in the field. And uh, this is something called the active dimension battle system. Yeah. Not a name that took. <laughs> well, I wonder why. Uh, it's, it's, it's fairly awkward. Um, the, uh, so everything happens in real time with meters. Mm-hmm. Uh, things recharge and spells charge and the like. Um, you control your party leader, uh, which you can switch at any time, and you can choose commands um, and switch over to other people and issue commands from them mm-hmm. from a battle menu. Uh, but they'll also just kind of go. The the yeah. other characters are AI controlled. We'll talk about that at length. It's a really big part of the game. Uh, but you control one person at a time while the other people kind of autopilot. Yeah. Uh, you have three active party members uh, plus, a pos- a plus a possible guest party member. Um, uh, which is, uh, which is neat. Uh, the Zodiac age makes it so you can control the guest party members and even adjust their gambits, mm-hmm. uh, which is, uh, which is nice. The same is true for the espers when you summon them, those in, we'll talk about that when we get to mischarges. Um, but something that is pretty good about this is you can swap in your reserve party members in, at any time. There are six total, you know, regular party members, uh, including if your entire main party wipes. Uh, you can start bringing your backup party in. So you roll deep in this, which is a nice, uh, you know, <laughs> nod to realism, I guess, in a weird way. Whereas, you know, in it Final Fantasy the 10, line. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's it's not like they just hang out at home, but they're also not helping now. <laughs> right. They're just in a realm and they'll <laughs> they'll swap out. Yeah. Um, you know. Uh just uh, all this time that Pinello spent inside the bag of holding <laughs> in the in the sunken place before I brought her out to <laughs> <laughs> to like fight um this has a couple different effects uh one of which is that if everybody dies you can bring in your backup party mm-hmm. uh kind of which is great uh one of the things that happens a lot i found so like my thesis for this game is i don't like and we don't have to agree with this and that include that's me and you cole and that's also people listening mm-hmm. because i don't these are not criticisms i hear about this game very often so i mm-hmm. think that they're like i feel very strongly about it I replayed the game and I feel like they stand up, but they just don't bother people. Mm-hmm. But also I can't not say the things that bother me. It's the show, mm-hmm. you know? So again, I'm not trying to argue this to anybody, but one of my, the like, kind of my central thrust of this is that like, there are a lot of systems in this game. I like, I don't like how they interact with each other. Okay. They, I don't feel like they synergize. And this is one where it's like, I like this in theory, mm-hmm. I can switch out a party member, uh, like maybe they have a special speciality that I want to use, or maybe my party wipes, but everybody doesn't gain XP if they're on the bench, which meant I just had three characters who would die in one hit. Hmm. There was no point in ha- switching them out. Uh, when I switched people out, what would happen is I would have a party wipe, switch to my backup party, who would immediately get fucking bodied uh, if I couldn't get to the edge of a zone. Um, because I wasn't 
taking the time to level everyone up equally because I don't want to spend, you know, twice the time grinding. Right. You know, it would not have hurt the game to me to just make everybody gain XP. Right. Uh, right. I think, I think that's the right way to do this. Um, and I don't think there's a good argument for not doing it. Uh, and Mm. I, again, I think that the, you know, a lot of people are, Oh, it just didn't bug me. It it bugged me. I didn't want to switch people out because they were underpowered. Yeah. You still, you get, you get license points. So you get abilities, but you do not gain other things. Yeah. Uh, You do not gain levels. So the HP was much lower on those folk. Yeah, uh, like my, my my experience with it was um, that uh, the raw experience level didn't necessarily matter as much as uh, license uh, points and specifically gear, which are which yes. are interrelated to each other. Gear will affect a lot. It'll affect your strength. It'll affect your uh, your 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 HP. So an underleveled person with high gear that they can buy, or you know, with powerful gear that they can buy, you know, using the license points or use using the license points gives them more of a leg up than getting experience than getting experience otherwise would, you know, it's definitely like balanced that way. Like I, yeah. I, I, I agree that like it is more important. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't trivial. And then yeah. you also run into buying equipment for your benched characters. Yeah. Which is additional cost or additional grinding to get money to, to mm-hmm. buy that stuff. Yeah. You know. This, um, th- this ended up being, this was a huge problem in the original version. Uh, when there was really no reason to, you know, differentiate people, there was nothing mm-hmm. forcing you to do so. So like you could get by with just your main three with the part, you know, with all of the abilities that you, that, 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 that you needed in this one, the specialties, you know, get you, you know, shuffling things around, which I mentioned only to say that, like, this is a problem that was way worse than the original that they attempted to address. And people's mileage is going to vary depending on their own style of play etc like how sufficient that change was yes I, I i think that the change is a billion times better when i first the thing that made me quit the first time on the around was all my characters were the same mm-hmm. and i was like this is stupid yeah. this time around not all my characters are the same but i was not incentivized to bring out my bench characters yeah because they were underpowered under equipped uh and because i just didn't need to mm-hmm um, I might have needed to for optional stuff, like again to put this out on Front Street. I just play. I played through the game. I didn't go mm-hmm. hunt. I didn't completionize anything. Yeah. I didn't go hunt. Do optional stuff uh, very much, just enough to kind of like poke at it. So mm-hmm. maybe it would have been for you know, like for example, uh, Pinello was my black mage. Okay. Uh, never used her. Didn't need to. Uh, hmm. Didn't need a black mage. Had a thief, a fighter, and a white mage, time mage, and that gets you through the whole game just fine. Yeah. Uh, no walls. Like every once in a while I would die. You know, I talked about those party wipes, but we'll, we'll talk about that. That has more to do with how this game handles encounter design and kind of beefgate stuff, Yeah, which is something that is hugely improved in mm-hmm. this version. Uh, they, uh, they want to have this sense of hostility where you can just run into a wandering monster that will fuck you, uh, yeah. these elementals basically. And in the original version, you were just fucked. Like you just have to go back to your save point here at the very least it auto saves between transitions. Yes. So the times I would die and get that party wipe was when I just got ambushed by an elemental usually. Mm-hmm. Uh, but other than that fighter thief, white mage, time mage was the key that unlocked everything in the game. Yeah. Nothing was required anything else. Yeah. The optional stuff, and by which I mean like engaging with hunts that are above your level or going esper, going after the espers, basically anything involving um, uh, you know, challenge material requires you to really engage with the systems on a, uh, on a, on a granular, granular level. And party design requires you to 
um, you know, specialize, but specialize in a way where the two classes synergize with each other. So yes. there's a very, like, there's a very specific set of combinations that you would want to, or, you know, uh, there, there are parameters that you would want to, uh, you know, specialize towards that would help you, that would help you kind of avoid. So I think that, you know, because I was playing towards that kind of end that mm-hmm. had me rotating, rotating people out more as opposed to having one party that was a key to everything. And you can, so again, like just, I, I'm I'm worried that you are going to get fatigued with me during this because I, <laughs> I have like there are nitpicks to all of these things and I don't feel like their nitpicks are invalid. Mm-hmm. You know, like no, it, it's, I, it, it's, but... <laughs> it's okay for you to, I can be like, I'm going to say something and I, I just want you to feel totally safe. Cole, just being like, yeah, that didn't bug me. And then we can move mm-hmm. on. I'm not going to try to convince you or whatever, yeah, you know, about, yeah. about this stuff. Mm-hmm. I just need to say it because it's my critical acumen on this game. Right. Like right. Uh, my, my, my conspectus on this. So, one, I think that you can make an argument or the, the virtue of having to engage with systems only for optional challenge content mm-hmm. is arguable. I think that that's not that that is kind of sucks that you don't mm-hmm. have to engage with the system unless you're doing the hard stuff. Oh, the like okay. I don't you know, like if the game doesn't require you to engage with its systems, like I think I think that's arguable whether those systems are justified or adequate. Hmm. You know, um, compared to like Final Fantasy VII, which has the challenge bosses where you have to go like very, 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 very deep to get those Mm -hmm. and get very specific loadouts. But you have to engage on a a, moderate level up until Mm -hmm. that point. Here, there is this whole thing, switching out party members that I did not have to do to play the main game. I Mm -hmm. only need to do something as basic as switching out party members when I got ambushed by monsters or if I was going after optional challenge stuff. Oh yeah. I think, I, you know, I think that that's probably not great. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't, I would rather, I want to engage with the systems of a game and be incentivized to do it. Yeah. You know, see also the control episode where telekinesis is the key for everything. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and when I, when I respond to your, to, to your criticisms there with like, Oh, here's, you know, here's that work for me. It's literally just me saying my experience as well. I just ended up having more fun engaging, you know, like using those high level, cause I don't intend to do everything optional for this, using those high level kind of approaches to the way you put a party together or the way that you, um, the way that you, uh, you know, optimize your gambits and stuff. I was just doing that because that for me was fun for its own sake and also did, you know, contributed substantially to staying ahead of the power curve so that like I was never in a position where, you know, it was, it was even a, you know, a, you know, it, it, you know, it was even a question where I was going to be able to afford the, uh, the ability that I needed or the piece of gear that I needed once it became available. Right. Yeah. So it was like a matter of like just surviving or thriving when I initially played the game, you know, and and especially back in the older version, because this is the first time that I've played and beaten the Zodiac Age. But when Mm -hmm. I initially engaged with it, you know, it was in the um, it was in uh, the kind of like I'm going to I'm going to have one party primarily because that's the way that the original version worked. Uh, it wanted also, you to, yeah. and every part the party could cover every base. They're, yeah. they're separate problems. It's whether you can cover every base, which is what that answers, versus what I'm saying is that every base doesn't need to be covered. Mm-hmm. You know, and and that's the the problem I'm pointing out. And you're saying yeah. like it's fun to cover the bases, and like mm-hmm. that's that's true. Like I, yeah. I could see that. Yeah, it's yeah. you know it's just not. And I didn't rush this or anything. I it's 42 hours. I spent a long no, time. No, no, I'm, I'm not accusing you of doing that. <laughs> Yeah, I just it, it's a long ass game. Yeah, um, you know, so there there's separate different uh, 
you know, answers and, and problems to it, and they don't yeah. necessarily need to square. Yeah. You know, uh, the other thing I wanted to say about that, you have to synergize the jobs and stuff is that some, a lot of that stuff is really esoteric. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to, that's just guide bait, uh, the way that works. So like, for example, uh, each class, uh, this is, we'll talk about all this stuff and give it context later, mm-hmm. but it's, it's important now. Um, you choose to give a summon to a character and influences their character build. Yeah. Each class, when you give them that summon, gives them access to different abilities. Mm-hmm. So you can min-max which summon you want to give each character. Yeah. But it's not something that like, or or for example, or like with a with certain kinds of magic users, you if you synergize like a black mage with an archer, you get more of the magic up license things yeah this is a difficult thing to plan for based on information in the game yeah you can like, preview the license boards but like this is something that is i i agree with you there's a lot about this game that is like you need to have a guide or you just really benefit you know with the with the information ready available to you in a, in a um uh you know in, in an easier like to digest form yeah you need a reference yeah. book as opposed to getting that same information by looking at it in the game interface which to me, when I talk about the the qualities of this game work at odds with each other, that works at odds with that expressive play. Mm-hmm. Like when you were saying, I'm building a party, I'm crafting a party, that's fun for me. The mm-hmm. fact that I have to look up a build for that to get these this min-max, to get that yeah. stuff, to go do the the optional hunts that you don't need to do. You don't have to, like, it all kind of becomes this reverse dominoes mm-hmm. kind of thing where like... Uh, that feels less expressive to me, oh, you know, that huh. I can't make the choice. I have to look up stuff. Right. You know, like I, I want to, I want to choose stuff because it's cool mm-hmm. and, and make sense, which I did because the game isn't hard. Uh, I just did what sounded cool and it just, it worked. Yeah. But if I wanted to go switch to those optional things, I may have fucked myself by choosing non-optimal character classes mm. that I combos that I did not have the information for without looking it up outside of the game. Yeah, there there absolutely needs to be a respec in this. I mean, every game with with this kind of long-term decision making that you're I, making you need needs that. I think so. I didn't find out until way late. There is a respec in this. That was the there? game does not. Yeah, you you talked to Montblanc at the uh, the thing. Oh, huh. uh, so but the game doesn't communicate it to you. No, no. Like you have to be engaging again with those optional systems mm-hmm. to get it. Like it's a key component. You know, there's there's like an ill elegance inelegance to this that like I can't totally name. But yeah. it, it's these things that each one leads to a thing where like this would be good except for. And then goes to another thing. And there are things that are just unqualified wins in this. Mm -hmm. But these little innovations, the reason, you know, there are reasons why it doesn't end up feeling like a slam dunk to me. Because there's something else that holds it back a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah, I, I can't disagree that the that the dynamic that you're talking about is there. There's a certain, you know, I think they I think this is you know, the systems are way too Baroque, you know, even though they scaled back on that. Um, and things don't necessarily hang together, you, you know, as as well and apparently as they would absolutely need to. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I think that you, some you know one of the reasons we're kind of like slamming up against this is possibly a psychographic difference. You know, I really enjoy sitting down and planning this stuff out, even with yeah. a, you know you know uh, understanding you know requiring a reference book. 
uh, to, to to make kind of a, a an appeal to a different um you know to different uh final fantasy games like i played final fantasy 8 you don't need to do this but like picture me being 13 years old and filling up a notebook with like charts and equations trying to figure out which elements i need to bind to what to make my characters the most powerful yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, that I, kind of that kind of paper planning is really engaging to me, which, you know, is is, is just a statement, not like saying, oh, this thing isn't, you know, is inherently good because because it ha- gives you the potential to do that kind of stuff. And and I like that there is a version that is very similar to that. That is exactly Gary bait. Yeah, but it doesn't require looking up stuff outside of the game mm-hmm. and the game itself. The critical path requires it. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that you only need to do that if you're going to go off and fight the super bosses and everything yeah. else will be basically a breeze is a, is a downside to me. Mm, yeah. You know, it, it's, I, I want to be, to be tested with my, mm-hmm. my paper planning. I want, yeah. I want it to be towards an end. Otherwise it just feels like I'm playing with a spreadsheet. Yeah. You know? So um, like, <laughs> I, I, like an example, like I loved planning out character synergies and class synergies in like divinity original sin too. Yeah. And partly because that game requires a lot of rigor, like mm-hmm. just on the surface, it is a hard game. You are rewarded for doing things that are really tricky. Yeah. For the main path of this, of this game, you know, when you're talking about class things and license things, uh, you know, the, the, it was not really required. And when we're talking about gambits, which we'll, we'll get into in a moment, pretty quickly stumbled upon the optimal gambits. Oh, like, wow. I didn't have to keep messing with that after a, about halfway through the game. Hmm. I just would just intervene when somebody got a status effect I wasn't spec'd for. Yeah. Uh, and that's basically it. Oh, like, I, was... I could have fucked around with it more, but I didn't need to. Yeah, I was constantly fucking with it. <laughs> In order to, it's, yeah, in, in order yeah. to, in, in, like, mostly to to uh, to uh, save myself items, uh, you know, just like it, it's it, it was uh, it, it was an efficiency uh, thing. Yeah, I, yeah. I end up once because I had a white mage and a time mage mm-hmm. permanently in the party. Uh, buffs and stat getting rid of status effects and getting rid of buffs is all Ash did, mm-hmm. and it was fine. And yeah. and Bosch and Vaughn just killed everything. Yeah. Uh, you know, I just did, just did not have to mess with it very much. And I liked messing mm-hmm. with it. That yeah. first half of the game, like I like the gambit system. We'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. I, I think yeah. it's good. I'm not saying that that's a bad system. It's just not as, I don't know. It, it just doesn't fit together just, as well as I want it yeah. to. Yeah. I, 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 I think that you just don't find intrinsic reward in fucking with that stuff. Whereas, whereas I, I do. <laughs> I do, do to a degree, <laughs> Right. you know, I do to a degree, but because I, you know, I wanted to get past the monsters, finding a thing that worked to get past the monsters without hurting me at all, you mm-hmm. know, without being a resource drain. I did. There wasn't reason to keep, yeah. keep fucking with it. Like I want both sides of the equation. I don't want to just, you know, play, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and the interest of moving forward, I do agree that there, there needs to be more rigor required in the main course of the game. I, I yeah. would, I would agree with that. They can lean on their system more because it's good enough to be leaned on. <laughs> right yeah. with 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 a couple of changes they can they can require you to think about this stuff and i have no idea what the calculus was that went into kind of making them you know the, the the main stuff something that you can you know brute through right it, it just it's final fantasy it's what they yeah. do with every game mm-hmm. in the series uh it, it is a value of the the series because they just want people to be able to get through it yeah you know 
um, when you are uh, online, when you're wandering around in the field, you get a little readout of what actions the enemies are preparing uh, mm-hmm. for things, what you're charging, who is aggroed onto who. Yep. Um, this is just done through these little arc lines. That's great. It's mm-hmm. you see it immediately at a glance. Yeah. Uh, what's going on? I think that's very good. Once once you realize how much of this uh, battle system was inspired by American football, and you see the mm-hmm. uh, you see the arcing lines as like the uh, the the play paths uh, in a Madden game, a lot on a lot unlocks for you. Yes. Yeah. Uh, let's chat gambits. Let's chat let's gambits. gambits. I'm in yeah. love with the gambit system, Gary. Farewell, tapa tapa, baby. <laughs> This feels almost to me, and I know this is not the intent of it. Mm-hmm. It almost feels like a critique of JRPG systems yes. to me. Because if you think about the kind of choices you have to make in a Final Fantasy four, right? Right. All you're really doing is choosing, uh, you know, you choose the optimal thing to do in any situation. For mm-hmm. most monsters, it's just attack. You heal when you're hurt and you have to be adequately supplied yes. at a town. Like the choice part, the tactics or strategy part of most combat in like Final Fantasy IV is just how many potions did you think to buy? Right. You know, like, do you, are you provisioned? Mm-hmm. This game, by uh, allowing you to automate all of that stuff, makes all of the like trash enemies, like anything that's not a boss or like a hidden elemental fuck you guy, mm-hmm. uh, just you don't have to do anything. Yeah. You know, and... I like that as opposed to tapa 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 very mm-hmm. much. Yeah. A thousand times better. It if it wasn't for Zodiac Age though, where I could go to four times speed, I would be pretty annoyed watching these fights play out without my input. Yeah. Like the fact that I could go through so fast, I was basically just a buzzsaw going through these dungeons, killing bats, mm-hmm. you know, just moving my little katamari of of death through this that would automatically like self-healing, self-buffing katamari of, of murder mm-hmm. uh made it very painless which yeah. is something i cannot say for jrpg combat ever right uh, there, there's not one i think where the just rank and file encounters are not boring as fucking sin mm-hmm. here they just go by real quick yeah like it's a really good way to do this if you have to do it like if, mm-hmm. if you have to have encounters that don't matter if if your game design is predicated on having mobs that you yeah. you're just gonna plow through you may as well just make it a, like i don't have to do anything yeah you know it, that's why it, where it feels like almost like a critique like it feels like the logical end point of final fantasy 4 combat to me yeah Pe- people reacted very poorly to this you know i think that if they say like oh this takes all the challenge away why are you going to you know like what challenge like, oh, yeah like, what challenge you, like you, yeah. you, you weren't making like the decisions <laughs> Like it's not, it's not a meaningful decision to decide to attack an imp. Yeah. You know, of course you're going to attack the imp. Like a lot of times you can't do anything other than that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not a genre with a lot of verbs, uh, in typical sense, like the, uh, and, and again, even when there are a lot of verbs, they're not required. Like you could, you could cast slow on this imp, but why would you, Mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's no reason to do that. It's a waste of resources. You were all like, people were like, Oh, gamut's me and the game's playing itself. The game no. was effectively playing itself before. Yeah, you were like, playing to, it to, to this degree. You were you were you were playing it to a very simple heuristic that required you to be the button pusher, which yes. is which is not interesting. And at, and at this point, it's like 
you know, uh, something unlocked this for me when they were making um, when they were making promotional videos for the Zodiac Age edition. They mm. they, they made a very effective video, uh, you know, basically saying that the Gambit system, which is you customizing the AI uh, for all of your all of your characters, not just, uh, you know, the ones who are AI controlled all the time. Um, but uh, you are using basically the tools and the logic that has always been available on the developer's side for making the enemies behave the way that they do. They've always behaved based on this conditional programming. They had these yes. prioritized lists um, and they you know, that they took actions based on the conditions of the battle that were there. Here, it is just giving you an interface to make that true for your people as well, making it so you uh, are only making like the big, des- you, you only have to make like the decision once for a while. Okay. It's a macro. My, yeah, it's a macro. My characters right now, they, they have very little HP, so they need to be healed when they're below 70%. As we get more HP, well, we can start playing a little bit more dangerously. You know, people aren't going to chunk them like they did before, so let's bump that down to 50% now that we're beyond this, you know, beyond this point. You establish a baseline, and then for me anyway, it's constantly tweaking. And then getting into a, getting into an encounter, getting about like a third of the way through it and saying, okay, this is happening. Then diving into the menu and then changing the parameters so they can effectively go up against whatever whatever we're at now and interacting calling audibles to keep it in football play terms uh whenever something um extenuating comes up yeah you you having to intervene from the from the game playing itself under your direction under Mm -hmm. your your commands and uh to me i i've always one of the things that has always been a block for me in understanding the the value of this genre is those very simple heuristics have always been there, yes. right? Like just the these commands, you're doing them in your head when you're playing Final Fantasy IV or Chrono Trigger. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, my guy's hurt. I got to heal him. Yeah, I've always felt like there was a little bit of a difference in a psychographic where, uh, and this is not a brag, like I'm God's fucking idiot. I do all kinds of stupid stuff. <laughs> but those heuristics were so obvious to me as to not require thinking. Yeah. You know, it wasn't meaningful to me to heal my character when they were hurt. Yeah. Uh, in Final Fantasy IV. Taking that thing that was not meaningful to me away is huge, like addition by subtraction. Yeah. You know, it just that never worked for me. It works for folk. I don't mm-hmm. understand how, but um, you know, no judgment. It just it's mm-hmm. it, that is good to some. Um, for me, it is up absolute upside. Just get rid of that. Mm-hmm. And that to me, it's a little bit damning. You know, it does feel like a crit- criticism. It feels like it lays bare how shallow those heuristics were yes when you were playing again versus trash mobs not talking about fighting emerald weapon or things that require strategy i'm talking about 80 percent of the combat in the game yeah not the the, not the highlight stuff yes um that stuff it's great uh Mm -hmm. it's it's much smarter uh to do it that way it leans into what the genre has been anyway this kind of clicker you know i'm gonna move gonna make my things come up and i'm just gonna pay attention when things are get rough yeah, I mean uh, that's always what's been some something that came, that came here for me is like oh this turns this turns turn based RPG combat turns active active time battle combat into a management sim. I'm watching the meters and I'm automating it and making adjustments to make sure they go the right way, which is really satisfying to me. 
Yeah. The, the, the thing where I don't have to tweak it that much, you know, so the things you, you brought up, the examples of like, oh, my guys have more HP, I can probably heal them at 50% instead of 70%. Mm-hmm. Like I did those things. But yeah. the number one change I ended up making was switching what status effect I would trigger an automatic Asuna. Mm-hmm. And it was just whatever status effect was in the dungeon. Yeah. Um, my, my two martial characters did not get, did not change for, I would say, almost all of the game. Oh, wow. Steal if 100%. Attack party leader. Att- you know, attack mm-hmm. uh, any, and then attack who the party leader is. Oh wow! I was cha- like, I was I was uh, changing stuff based on like who has the highest max HP, who has the highest current HP, all kinds of stuff like that. Yeah, I can yeah. I can see. Uh, you know, it would never take that fun away from you. Mm-hmm. It's not something that the I feel like the game based on what's in the game encourages. Yeah. Like I, I, it encourages yeah. it or demand it's there. It's encouraged because it's there. There's yeah. no factor. There's no adversarial factor that is like, Hey, take a look at this. Yeah. Like really get into this. Um, and your mileage will vary whether that's a problem or not. Yeah. You know? Um, but I, I do think this is really good. I was very surprised to find fantasy star four, not cited as an influence. Oh yeah. It was wild when we did that. And I was like, Oh, this has a gambit system. <laughs> like you, you just set everybody up as an autopilot for the battle. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't have the if, but it has the, you know, do this, do this, do this, yeah. prioritize list mm-hmm. uh, thing. Yeah. Um, it's a, you know, sh- short of making it something like a Final Fantasy Tactics, short of making it, you know, a place where uh, you're making more interesting decisions as, you know, as things go. You know, this, this to me feels like the apotheosis of, you know, a, you know two whole generations of JRPGs. Like, yeah, this is the, the, this is ultimately where it needs to get, you know, these are, you, you know, it, it frees you up to make, you know, to, to, to make the larger scale decisions and engage with the cool stuff when it arises. Right. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and to me, there are, there's discussion to be had about the frequency and density of those cool stuff arising yes. when you need to make those bigger decisions. That's mm-hmm. important to me. Yes. Uh, I, I like that it frees you up to just make those. I think it is a, still a problem that it doesn't like there are large stretches of it where there's, it's just nothing. Yeah. I just move my little guy through, mm-hmm. you know, and the game is just literally playing itself for huge dungeons, huge mazes, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I'm just like, that is a problem to me. Yeah. Uh, but I'd rather that than tap a tap a tap through all these encounters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't, it's, I think it is really telling that final fantasy didn't go back. Oh yeah. Uh, after this, like this is the logical conclusion of old school JRPG design and the series that said, fuck it. We're action games now. Yeah. You know, based on this, like mm-hmm. we, we can't do that heuristic thing anymore. Yeah. And you know, you know, say what you will about final fantasy 13, you know, the story and the pacing are the big problems there. That, uh, battle system is really good. Final fantasy yeah. 15's battle system is really good. They're 13 or 15. Are you talking about, I think you said 13 the first time and 15 the second time they're similar systems. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, it eventually gets very like pretty cool. Yeah. On those. Yeah. Um, Um, yeah, very good. mm -hmm. So your gambits can more, can get more complex as you go. 
Uh, you unlock extra slots for more logic mm-hmm. uh, as you grow your characters. You buy them on the license board, um, and you buy the Gambit triggers at stores. This is an improvement for the Zodiac Age. Uh, previously, oh my god, that was really yeah. bad. And um, uh, previously, yeah. the, uh, the 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 Gambit triggers, you had to find them in the environment. You had to uh, get them as uh, as rewards from chess. Uh, you, could, which, you could buy some in the original oh, yeah. version. They were just very limited. Mm-hmm. And there were, there were ones that are very key to any kind of strategy that would not be available into well into the game, like halfway through the game. Yeah. You know, you would get things that, that are, you know, were on my characters from moment one. Mm-hmm. Uh, think about what that does in terms of a decision, right? Mm-hmm. Like what that is doing is saying it's, it's very final fantasy 13. <laughs> we have a system that's pretty complicated. We don't trust you to use it yet. <laughs> and it's not only do we not trust you past the tutorial, we don't trust you for 30 fucking hours. Right. You know, it's it's the Final Fantasy.txt thing that drives me nuts about this company mm-hmm. uh, that has no faith in me as a person. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, it hates my guts. Um, the, uh, the, but that that was such a wildly misguided decision, and I'm really glad they decided to course correct. Just lay it like out. It was, because, yeah, 15 because years late, do- but they did it. <laughs> If, you, if you, know? you don't happen to get to get the uh you know you get the trigger you know if ally is poisoned you're never going to be able to like automatically deal with anybody who is poisoned right yep it's, you're always going to have to pause the combat and do this yeah and all that takes is time mm-hmm. it's not taking additional resources you're using the resources anyway it's not taking decision making power because healing somebody who's poisoned with a poison heal is obvious. That is a heuristic you were just born with. Babies know yeah. how to do it. <laughs> uh, it, it, it just uh, it just doesn't. It respects your time more. Yeah. To do it this way, there's little remnants of it. Like they still kind of you had to buy them now in stores, and there's this feeling of being like nickel and dimed. Yeah, I don't care for this for that. stuff. Like it's like fifty fifty gil mm-hmm. for this huge list of things you can get. Uh, I, you know, I really just wish give it was them just- to me. Yeah, just laid out like that is, yeah. you know, I don't know. It's still stopping you because like Gil is pretty uh, uh, Gil is pretty scarce early on before you figure out the loot system. Yeah. You know? um, yeah. I wish that they but, just did that. You just started with all of it. And the, the 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 genre triangle, this it's scarce unless you just want to spend more time. Right. You know, it's not really scarce. Like I can just if you want to just grind a level 99 in the first zone like you can. Mm-hmm. It's just time. There's yeah. nothing in game design stopping you from doing it. Yeah. Um, so you can, you can then grind up for those gambits uh, if you want. Yeah. So um, <laughs> you can set your characters into flea mode, uh, which will turn off gambits and just make them follow your character. Uh, so you can run past enemies that uh, aggro you. This is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, a good way to do it rather than having like a percentage chance of it working or anything. You're just turning it off and moving your guy hitting the bricks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is elegant and good. Agreed. Um, weapons and equipment matter. Uh, this is, you know, kind of expanding upon things that were there previously. You know, you had back range enemies who were, uh, more back range and flying enemies who were more susceptible, uh, to, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, ranged, ranged attacks. Um, here, uh, they are actually making it so melee weapons and such, you know, behave differently. So flying enemies, they are immune to most of your melee attacks, unless you have a particular skill. What's up? Weirdly, some flying enemies. So like yes. bats, not flying, dragons, <laughs> flying, gargoyles, yeah. not flying. 
You know, yeah. like it, it's it's not flying. It's it's a weird classification. It's, it, yeah, right? it's do do they have the flying symbol uh, symbol next to them? Yes. Um, so you can hit them with guns and bows and arrows and the little measures, uh, things like that, but long melee weapons like spears and poles, those will reach them. So that is a reason to spec for those. If you, uh, do not want to rely on, you know, just bows and arrows because those are affected by, uh, weather like we'll talk about. Yeah. Uh, you can also, you can get a skill that Mm -hmm. make that obviates this. So your melee characters can, uh, can fight flying things. You also get a lot of, uh, because flying enemies are relatively rare. Mm-hmm. Uh, this would have been something that made me switch to my ranged characters, but again, I didn't really have to, I, I just would use items on these mm-hmm. guys. Yeah. Um, there's boats. no dungeon where like everyone's a flyer, mm-hmm. you know, that it's, it's a pretty rare enemy classification yeah. for this. Um, so the, the weapons and stuff are different. And this is another thing that's a lot better in this version. In the original version, everyone could just use hit like ax class weapons, I think. And mm-hmm. they were by far the best one. Mm-hmm. Uh, here, you know, because you're choosing a class, which we'll talk about when we talk about the license board, uh, you are incentivized to use other weapons. Yes. You know, their, their cooldowns, um, their, their crit rates, things like that mattered. Right. Uh, combos and crits are really important. Uh, crits are mm-hmm. better than everything because you get, or no, not crits, opposite. Combos are more yeah. important than everything because uh, you uh, hit multiple times. So it's effectively getting mm-hmm. a multiplier, whereas crits just hit harder once. Uh, this yes. means that light weapons, which, you know, in other situations might be considered not really useful at all, they end up being really valuable. You know, things like katanas, especially, um, because you can get multiple hits in, possibly. Yes. Yeah. Uh, there are elemental weaknesses and resistances, again. Uh, status effects. Uh, enemies tend to be susceptible to status mm-hmm. effects and, and use them. Um, there are also really powerful buffs. Uh, yes. that you can get like kind of game breaking buffs from uh, the Final Fantasy VIII school. Yeah. You know, of of uh, buff design. <laughs> bubble and double, baby. Yeah, bubble double. Uh just <laughs> throw it on there, baby. Uh <laughs> things like that. That's that's all good stuff. I think that yes. is uh, you know, fun to fuck around with. Lends to, you know, the, 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 this falls into the column of Final Fantasy game is only as good as it's as how much I can break it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And and stat, you know, it is it to me very underlines how misguided it was for status effects to barely matter while taking up 80% of the spell list (laughs) in previous games. Like if everything's immune to sleep or I can just kill it in two hits. Yeah. This is not worth its inclusion. Oh, I learned break. Fuck you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, Oh man, like this, there's no reason here, you know, things are susceptible to break. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, it's still not super useful. Uh, but it's, things are susceptible to it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, there's a lot more magic in this. Uh, there's black and white magic, which we know that's offensive and defensive healing magic, green magic, which is kind of your status and utility, mm-hmm. uh, magic, uh, time magic, which is also utility like buffs and debuffs as well. Just different flavors mm-hmm. of them. And then arcane magic, which I did not fuck with. Arcane magic is uh mostly debuff kind of stuff. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, there are also just kind of moves you'll get, uh, these techniques, uh, moves that work in specific, uh, conditions. Um, these are really underrepresented in this game. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can get more of them just through treasure in terms of buying them. Like at the end of the game, the last shop has something like six of them for sale. Yeah. It's it's, and that's all of them that you can buy 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you had to find these things, which to me, you want to talk about the reverse dominoes or whatever interacts with the way this game does treasure. Um, the, but these are theoretically super neat, mm-hmm. uh, to me. I, I, again, I was not incentivized to use them because I didn't have to. Yeah. Uh, nothing needed it. Yeah. You know? They, end, you know, they, these end up being on the, uh, on the green, on the game breaker path, uh, even just mm. from the, from the loot, uh, perspective, uh, primarily because of steel and poach. Uh, this is the, the this is the way to, you know, I did use uh, steel a lot. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. steel is always your opening gambit. Uh, yeah. but, uh, but poach, especially you know, it's, it's catching something like a Pokemon and getting an especially rare, uh, kind of pick up off of that. It just gives you, it gives you access to different loot tables, uh, essentially, uh, yeah. meaning that you have to input less time, uh, to get the resources that you need to, uh, you know, just body everything. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this works alongside, uh, uh, you know, your equipment, you know, weapons and armor. Like we said, they affect your stats quite heavily. Also, accessories are here and they are uh, really powerful and also highly situational. Uh, there are ones that basically change the way the game plays, uh, like the Neo mm-hmm. uh, Neopala, uh, mm-hmm. which uh, uh, basically get, gives gives you the ability to reverse any uh, status effect, so you can go around using uh, very cheap items to uh, you know take down incredibly powerful stuff. This is a way to you know uh, uh, jump the power curve when you're dealing with high level hunts, things like that. Yeah, you doom train things by throwing remedies at them. Yes. Uh, basically, uh, most of the accessories are immunity to a specific status effect mm-hmm. uh, through them, at least ones you can buy, uh, not the more esoteric ones that are on the rarer loot tables. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea here being, I think you go into a dungeon, you see, oh, these guys cast stop. I'm going to give everybody my get rid of stop yeah. uh, thing. The the gambit system before this, to its credit, like I that kind of runs into safety bit. Yeah. Stuff like I'm giving up a customization slot to avoid a, an annoyance, mm-hmm. uh, which I never like in this genre. Um, in here, the gambit stuff made it so I didn't have to. Yeah, uh, I never put on an immune to stop because I would just have my character cure stop mm-hmm. and kept them with their more expressive counterattack or double license points or whatever I had them yeah. using. Yeah, um, there's a weather system in this game. The uh, the weather system is interesting. Uh, it changes accuracy, uh, elemental attack effectiveness, um, which is that's all well and good. the The thing that I find obnoxious about the weather system is that it's related to certain hunts, so you kind of have mm-hmm. to like grind for certain weathers. Yeah, like this thing only appears when it's storming. I have to keep going in and out of this area until the weather changes. Yeah, um, you know, and it also makes very powerful enemies that will one shot you mm-hmm. uh, spawn. Yes. From time to time. Uh, you have no control over this and you have no way to forecast it. Mm-hmm. It's just a world state that is yeah. in a zone. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. Cool. In theory, I, I don't end up when I, and I didn't have to fuck with it very much this playthrough. That's I remember the- my first playthrough of doing more hunts and having to be like looking up in a guide because there wasn't info for it being mm-hmm. like, Oh, the, the reason why this thing hasn't appeared is because it's not raining. Yeah. You know, I had to wait for that. Yeah, that ends up being it's Final Fantasy twelve dot text in a yep. in a big way, which is not a good yeah. thing. Yeah, it's yeah. a it it's much less of a factor in uh, the Zodiac version yes. for the version that I the way I played mm-hmm. the game. 
Yeah. Um, uh, there's a system that governs your limit breaks and your Esper and your summons. So uh, you've got these missed charges, uh, which you accumulate by dealing and taking damage. Um, and you expend these to perform kind of these really powerful attacks. Um, so espers are unlocked when you find them out in the game world. Uh, there are a couple that you get over the course of the main story, but many of them are optional boss challenges that unlock at certain points in the, um, uh, in, in the, in the story. Uh, yes. these, these fights are almost universally really fun. <laughs> if you, mm-hmm. if you engage with the, you know, the kind of, the kind of higher level play on this, it ends up feeling like, uh, like, like raid encounters almost in an, M- in an MMO. Um, mm-hmm. and these things are really powerful. Uh, you summon them and they fight alongside your party. Uh, basically they, they, join they fight alongside whoever summoned them. Yeah. So you don't keep your whole party Two of yes. your party members go away and they're replaced by a monster. Yeah. Uh, and you have to keep it alive, uh, it has HP, um, and it is around for a maximum of four minutes. You also have to keep the summoner alive. If the summoner mm-hmm. faints, the, uh, the summon will go away. Yeah. Uh, the, the summon stays around for four minutes or until it does its ultimate attack. Yes. Um, you, which you can trigger whenever you like. Uh, mm-hmm. That is something they added to the yeah. game, um, allowing you to control mm-hmm. the monsters. Uh, just in a UI thing, this is a nitpick. It's not a big major complaint. They mm-hmm. don't change the camera when it yeah. is. So, so when I would summon Belial and like walk around, I couldn't see anything. <laughs> uh, exceedingly silly. Yeah. Um, the uh, just a, a, a minor time waste that you know, added up was when they do their ultimate attacks, you cannot skip the animation. Yeah. That's uh, no a matter how many times you've seen it. Yeah. Um, get that yeah. final fantasy eight shit out of here. Although they had a way to skip it, Fuck. They, had, they had a way to make it shorter in final. <laughs> oh, fantasy. Yeah, you could right, switch yeah. it to the, the abbreviated versions, mm-hmm. but it, the, you're watching this thing. <laughs> yeah. Like there, there's like an arrogance to that. That just drives me nuts. Like, yeah. I don't care. Don't you're care you're seeing it. <laughs> like we're <laughs> we in, we animated it and not only like I loved it. I think it's a nine. They had the system where the first time you summon something, it would show you the whole thing. Yeah. And then it would show you the abbreviated version because they realized like, I don't need to watch Bly. I'll do this little fire dance. No, this many fucking times. It's not that cool. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's all right. But like the, pro- the problem is people over validated final fantasy seven for it's a uh, big bombastic summon animations and stuff. And so it's like, Oh shit, this is what the, this is what people want. <laughs> yeah it's, it's really? exactly that and i i was part of that problem like i, I was had like, people come over yeah I, I remember uh a non-gamer friend my friend mike i brought him over and i was like check this out dude yeah. and i showed him ifrit <laughs> uh, i think i'm sure i told this during the final fantasy 7 thing oh, yeah. he was like this just looks like a shitty cartoon <laughs> like this is a bad looking animation and i was like no but check it out it's so badass you know and it's just <laughs> But don't you, know, you understand? Sephiroth destroyed the solar system. Yeah, and he does just, it multiple times. Yeah, he just yeah, it's just <laughs> yeah, and you, it's just the same every time. You just watch the same little like FMV. You know, it, it's it's an aspect of this genre that's aged poorly now. That watching a fifteen second movie, you it's, know, is not as novel. Yeah, you know, over and over and over. Mm-hmm. Um, the way these guys work is cool. Uh, I like that um, they have their own. I like being able to control them. You know, so I like being able to uh, go through and be strategic with them. And they added a lot of depth to this for the Zodiac Age version. They give them spells. Yeah. Made their basic attacks good, Mm -hmm. uh, which were not very good. Yeah. Um, What works a lot less for me are quickenings in this. These take some getting used to. I I got used to them. I just didn't like watching the animations. Like, it's the same problem as the summons, except more so. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the way these work is you choose to do a quickening 
you have three levels and it will take a certain number of these mischarges uh, that you get and you combo them. So your character does their little animation like North Swain's bolt. And then you can choose based on your other party members, which one you want to tag in next mm-hmm. as the little timer counts down. Uh, you can do this until you run out of quick hitting charges, mischarges, and then the option may appear to recharge or mischarge. You have a little yeah. button that allows you to shuffle. Uh, mm-hmm. similar to selfies limit break yes. thing uh, in Final Fantasy VIII. Mm-hmm. So the optimal way to get very long combo strands and do a lot of damage of this is to just roll a pencil or something or your finger over the button so you're constantly hitting a button mm-hmm. and then just tap the R2 so you're constantly reshuffling and you can get long chains of mm-hmm. these. Uh, you have to watch all of them. Yeah, There's no, there's no skip uh, and they take a long time. Yeah. I, and that the, was enough to where I stopped wanting to do them. The, yeah, I, 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 would, I would much rather use my mischarges on summons uh, as the thing. Yeah. Yeah, but this is the way, like, this is the way to deal the most damage uh, is to yeah. get your, you know, get a long chain, follow, a long chain followed by an ultimate. I think you can do, like, 60,000 at a throw because the Zodiac Age uh, got rid of the, uh, got rid of the damage cap. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you can you can combo this almost infinitely yes. for you know for a very very long time and like obviate bosses. Yeah, you know, uh, de- definitely story bosses. Mm-hmm. These also the more high value, like depending on the configuration of quickenings you throw into your combo, you get concurrences, mm-hmm. which are just um, finishers. Yeah, for these, you know, so it's like oh, I did two level twos and three level threes. That's this oh f this particle effect at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, it's uh, okay. Useful, but yeah, not that fun to engage with, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, a note about the Espers. I love the visual designs on these things. Um, oh, it's amazing. Uh, they, well, they it's kind of like a, a chess piece made of horse or whatever. Uh, like uh-huh. <laughs> like a, a centaur, but with a chess bishop as a butt. It's uh-huh. it's very confusing. <laughs> yeah. I, I just, I, I love how confusing they are to look at, which feels counterintuitive, but like they, 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 they look like biblical angels to me. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's great. They're, they're, they're incomprehensible spiritual monsters. Yeah. Yeah. They look really good. What something that up until they got modern, I felt like final fantasy did a great job with like monster design. It's yes. like what, a strength of the series, you know, up until the Shiva motorcycle shit, <laughs> but up and up until that point, like I felt like everything looks pretty cool mm-hmm. and these guys look great. Uh, I've looked up the ones that, um, you know, I didn't get cause I didn't get the optional ones yep. uh, and they all look cool. Yeah. So Good, good, and just rank and file monsters also look cool. Mm-hmm. They do a good job with that in this game. Yeah, visual design all around is great. Yeah, I, I have some some issues with costumes. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll get to when we get to the characters. I don't, I don't. <laughs> P- Pinello's jumpsuit that has the symbol for a pair of shorts on the front, like she's a superhero <laughs> named Shorts Girl. This team of bad haircuts and bronzer. Like everybody's got uh, like fake tanning stuff on them. They all look like Tim Heidecker characters to me. Vaughn looks exactly like the Crimbus special Tim Heidecker. Uh, it's I think that I got, they, they do not generally do not look good. Bosch and and Balthier look cool. Bosch and Balthier are like Ash as well. Yeah, yeah. Vaughn has a real uh, Anthony Kiedis kind of vibe to him. Circa Californication. Yeah. Uh, I, I yeah. hate him. Uh, we'll talk about the characters. Uh, yeah. He's uh, he is my enemy. 
Um, so let's talk about the license board. Uh, we're yeah. about an hour in, and uh, we haven't gotten to it yet, but this is a huge deal. It's something that got infinitely better with the Zodiac Age version. Uh, so you do get experience points. Only active uh, characters get the experience. This will, you know, give you raise your base stats, raise your HP. It's important, but nowhere near as important as the license board stuff. Everybody gets license points uh, when you uh, when you kill something, and you go in and do kind of this game's version of the sphere grid. Yes. Uh, the idea here is you have a chessboard specific to the class you choose. Uh, you'll eventually get a second class, but you start off with just one. Mm-hmm. And you kind of leapfrog your way through it. You unlock a node using a certain number of points, and this unlocks the surrounding nodes. Uh, these can be things from the permit. These are permissions, not mm-hmm. abilities, which is important. Yes. Um, so permission to use a specific ability. Uh, some passive abilities you do not have to buy. Yeah. So active abilities you need to buy. Passive abilities will just happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then stat buffs. Right. Um, and the ability to use certain equipment. And you kind of map out uh, and kind of scoot, like inch around one node at a time to work towards things. Yeah. Uh, they start you in the middle. The things near the end tend to either be more powerful or more specialized. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is how you build characters in this yes. game. Yeah. Um, having the characters be different. So I think that this system is a failure in the original version of this. Yes. Having everyone use the same board, there was no reason not to make every character the same. It wasn't just uh, the same board. It was the same starting point. Um, yes. uh, I think those two things were a death knell because in the spear grid system, which when we, when, when, when we revisited it, you know, a lot of the shine shine came on, came off of that apple just because yeah. we were very rarely making an actual decision. Like everybody shared the same spear grid board, but um, you had different starting places kind of indicating that like, Oh yes, this is a person who is this class, but you can multi-class if you, if you put in the time to get the resources needed, to, needed to customize. Right. Yes. Yeah. Here, uh, instead of everyone just kind of starting in the same position and being the same person, like in the first game, the thing, this is the thing that made me quit final fantasy 12 when I was first playing it. Mm-hmm. I was like, why would not, why wouldn't everyone just have Cura? Right. Like it makes no sense to not cover my bases this way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it was not taking a resource, like a appreciable resource cost to do it right. here. They make you make the choice upfront. Uh, only certain classes can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and this, this gives you that feeling of like a party of adventurers that you do not have in the original version. Mm -hmm. Um, Uh, pretty cool. Like this, this part is much improved. Yeah. Uh, It's even improved over the international Zodiac job system, uh, version, which was having the double job. Yeah. The double job. So like previously you would just lock yourself out of six jobs because you could only take one. Uh, Mm -hmm. that is baffling to me. (laughs) I, I don't, that doesn't bother me. Like, oh, I, yeah. I like that. Idea. Like, I'm going to play through this game with this party configuration, mm. you know, similar to like Final Fantasy one, yeah. you know, or something like that. Um, I'm not a I'm not a completionist. I don't need to do all the stuff mm-hmm. in this, yeah. uh, which is what I think they were going for with that, um, you know, and, and the degree to which it's successful. You know, who knows here? Mm-hmm. You can double up everybody. You don't need to. You can have characters have the same job. They're yeah. not like staked out by somebody. And if you're doing a min-maxi build, you you do that. There are classes that synergize with multiple jobs, and you want to have multiple people take that job. Yeah. Yeah, but specializing is good. Yes. Uh, the the reverse dominoes or whatever, that's not describing this, but I'm going to stick with it. The thing that <laughs> this is bug, bugging me is I don't like that you also have to buy and find the things yeah this is the so the every character being the same was addressed in the zodiac age something that is inherent to the license board since you're buying permission you're not buying the ability you're paying for everything twice using two different currencies 
Yeah. Um, so you can, it, for me, uh, just my experience took away about half the time, the good feeling of leveling up. Hmm. I would level up. I would see a cool ability and be like, that sounds neat. I would like to be able to cast that spell, but that spell may not be available to find or buy for like three towns. Right. You know? So there's no, that's not a death knell. It just ended up making finding that node feel really bad. Mm-hmm. And when I first came to this from final fantasy 10, uh, as, as a young adult, uh, it really sucked because final fantasy 10, the thing I liked about it was every, you leveled up all the time, mm-hmm. like levels up came fast and frequent. And it oftentimes felt at least when I was younger that I was getting a new meaningful thing. Yeah. Uh, some of that shine went off when we revisited it, but it still felt more like that. This, I cannot say that final fantasy 12 does that. Right. Uh, I would say about half the time where I would pop into the license board, I would, you know, is final fantasy 10 get done with the battle, see that I had some sphere grid points really excitedly go into that and customize mm-hmm. my, my character here. I wait until I have a hundred, 200 license points before I even look at the thing, because I'm not going to be able to use the stuff mm-hmm. that I get. Yeah. Uh, it was not, it was not worth the menu tax. Uh, and leveling up and choosing new abilities should be fun. Mm, that should be, you know, that should be a cool video game thing I get to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times here it fell pretty flat. And there yeah. were also abilities I bought on the license board that I never found. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were hidden. This is going to, the reason why I bring this up now is because it dovetails into the treasure and dungeon design system mm-hmm. of this game. But it just, it it did wasn't as good as I wanted it to be. Yeah. You know, I guess it is improved. It's not horrible. It's not pulling teeth, but I wanted those good feels mm-hmm. from choosing a, a node. And I didn't yeah. want to just waste my time and waste my resources choosing a node that I'm just never going to find the thing. Right. Without looking it up. It's um it's one of those things that definitely does require a mind mindset change, which is like, okay, I'm going to invest I'm going to put this in now, you know, hopping over this ability that I can't get in order to get the ones that I that, that benefit me more immediately, you know, getting to a cluster of stat improvements, getting to a cluster of passive ability, uh kind of kind of, kind of things. Um, and, uh, then just picking, picking that, uh, that, that, that spell up when you get it. I agree that like for, for some of them, it doesn't make that much sense to me. You know, if I, if I, if I can if getting permission to use a spell doesn't make as much sense and is not as gratifying to get permission to, you know, to, to just learn the damn thing, uh, well, to, it's, to, it's, to me. Yeah. It's gated in two ways. You're gated, yeah. you're gated based on your effort, based on how many license points you have and where you spend them. Mm-hmm. You're also gated by your progression through the world which is yeah. a very old school Final Fantasy thing. Yes. Like in Final Fantasy four, you get to the town that sells the spell or you, know, you don't buy spells in that in Final Fantasy one, mm-hmm. you get to the town that sells the equipment. That's what you can, you can use yeah. it for yeah. here. It just felt like I was duplicating effort, mm. you know, like choose one, you know, either, yeah. either meet out my power curve through my progression through the game mm-hmm. or meet out my power curve through my customization. When you're doing both, it just feels like, uh, kind of a crappy compromise. Mm. If, if I were to, to do this differently, uh, I would say spells and abilities, you do not have to find or buy. Mm-hmm. If you unlock them, you've learned them, right? You know, keep, and then instead of equipment, uh, have equipment be specific to class and replace those nodes with stat stuff. Yeah. You know, I'm building a character. I'm choosing my stats and everything, but there's nothing stopping me from swinging a piece of wood. Right. You know, the idea behind this was not, gameplay forward when you read about the development of this thing it was to enforce this idea of rigid law and hierarchy 
in mm-hmm. this world. It's, uh, in, yeah. in a way, like spiritually or story wise, it is pulled over from Final Fantasy Tactics Advance, where the idea of the judges is brought in. Yes. Uh, yeah. In that game, a judge was specifically like, hey, for this battle, you cannot use fire magic. No mm-hmm. real reason. You just can't do it. Yeah. It's not something I love about Final Fantasy Tactics Advance. Here, it's just ambiently in the world, you cannot mm-hmm. use this sword. Yeah. You know? And <laughs> like that, you know, that's something you could do with like level minimums and stuff mm-hmm. too. Like that, it's not totally different from yeah. how video games gate progress uh, with this kind of stuff. It just, to me, it always felt bad to buy an ability I could not get or have yeah. access to. Yeah. You know, that there was a pretty consistent bad feel. It's not a huge deal in, in like issues I have with the game, but it's part of why this doesn't hang together for me. Yeah. You know, it's not as elegant as it could be. Yeah. And for me, it's just, I, I just kind of sh- sh- shifted, shifted toward a delayed gratification kind of deal. You know, it's like, okay, yeah. I'm planning, I'm planning for when I eventually get this. Cause I know I'm eventually going to want to use that accessory, you know, and that's probably going to be coming up, you know, stuff, stuff, stuff like that. Yeah. It's, it, this was something that I think, my parts, my issues with it could be fixed by tweaking. Mm-hmm. It's like a pacing thing, you know, when it feels like since it's all basically math, you could figure out, you could make it. So around the same time I have the license points to unlock this thing mm-hmm. uh, around then is when I'm going to find it. Yeah. You know, like you could do that. They don't want to do that because I have to be able to grind and stuff because it's a JRPG. Right. Um, right. I, I, I can, they, they cannot control how many license points I have because they cannot control how much time I want to spend mm-hmm. on stuff. It's just not how the genre works. Nope. Um, yeah. So it, it not a huge deal, but it, it is something that made this a little worse than the sphere grid to me, mm-hmm. uh, then and now. Yeah. I, I think I prefer, I prefer this current iteration to it over the sphere grid, but you know, it, I, I, I agree with the ups and downs that you've laid out. Yeah. It's just, it's just going to vary whether it bothers you. Like I, I like leveling up and getting new abilities in video games. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's a thing I really like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, something that, that I think we're both going to agree is a real problem with this is the reliance of the RNG, especially as it relates to the reward structure. Um, Mm -hmm. there's just an overabundance of really arcane systems, um, that are put in place to, you know, determine what you're going to get as a reward for exploration and combat. Like everything, this used to be much worse. Uh, the contents of later chests would be affected by what you opened early on, and there was no indication of that, specifically with the, with the second-to-best weapon in the game, the Zodiac Spear. Um, and Final Fantasy XII, that text, these are just systems that were that are and were obfuscated to you. Uh, but it does have knock-on effects for uh, the dungeon design uh, as, as well. And you know, whether or not you, you know, it takes away some of the excitement about whether or not you're going to, you know, it takes away the excitement that you're going to feel when you see a treasure chest, because there's no guarantee that what you're going to find in there is actually going to be valuable. It, it's, it's more than no guarantee. Yeah. Like it, it's 95% of just easy. Yeah. Like that's, that's not me being mean. It's, it's at least that many are, yeah. are no value. Mm-hmm. There's reading about the development of this game made me feel like, and I don't, you know, there are a great many things I like about this game. The people who made it are professionals. I'm not trying to Monday morning quarterback them too much. Mm-hmm. There are things that feel naive to me. So when you read about the philosophy behind this random treasure system, the, what they wanted to do was engender this feeling of fate. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, on this, uh, 
run. This is just the, uh, my characters didn't find a cool weapon. They found 63 gill no and thanks. I just have to roll without punch. And then they were somehow shocked to find that gamers <laughs> instead of doing that, just optimize and re-rolled chest until they got the optimal thing. No, no. The, have you, the, the, are you new? <laughs> like how were you born from an egg? Like sweeting, <laughs> little Culver, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> why would you think that in a million yeah. years Look, you know ga- I, gamers will make the game as unfun as possible for themselves if it mean they get if it means they get a treat yeah <laughs> they will optimize anything you know and what this so what this does this is huge again to me this is going to bother i got into a long twitter argument with will about this oh. uh, but it's going to bother you know different people depending on their their sensibilities mm-hmm. but like for me, I like getting a, a treat. I like getting an extrinsic and an intrinsic reward. Mm-hmm. I, in an RPG of any stripe, I would like the combat to be fun and get a cool seeming thing afterwards. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like it's asking very much. Yeah. In Final Fantasy XII, the Zodiac Age, a lot of times the combat was not tedious, but it wasn't anything. I just moved my roll of gambits through things. And then I would go to the corner of a dungeon where a chance ha- a chest had a chance to spawn. When it would spawn, 95% of the time, I would get jack shit. Uh, I would go through this encounter. I would walk down to the end of this hallway and get 63 gil mm-hmm. for, for doing this. That feels, that's very bad to me. Mm-hmm. Like that, that fucks with my reward feeling. Like I stopped wanting to pick up chest. That's crazy. Like you, yeah. you I should want to get treasure. But every single time it being like 200 gil, or not every single time, but again, easily one out of every, you know, 19 out of every 20 times mm-hmm. I would pick up a chest. Like it's, it's not, I'm not exaggerating with yeah. that. It's oh, almost a, all the time. I got a dark moat. Thanks. Yeah. I got, I got a knot of rust kick ass. You know, I got, I got a potion like you're getting, you know, potions at the, it reminded me of, um, playing, uh, dark souls randomizer. Yeah, and like when you're yeah. at the end of the game and you go to this like incredibly tough encounter and you beat it and you get a throwing dagger, mm-hmm. you know, it it's like that, but it's intentional. It's not yeah. a randomizer. It's the intended effect, even in the Zodiac Age version of this. It's what they want for some reason. And it's like it gobsmacks me. Like, why would you mm-hmm. make this choice? What are you? What is the upside here? You know, I can under, I've heard a lot of arguments for people who are like, I don't care, but right. I've never heard anyone be like this fucking ro- rules. Right. You know, like why not aim a little bit higher and try to make it cool instead of just making it not that big a deal. Yeah. You know, it, to, to, to me, it's like, you know, I, I, I ultimately probably fall down into like the, you know, it doesn't actively bother me. So therefore it, you know, it is, you know, not something that I, that, that I think about because I'm just, you know, it's final fantasy 12 for you, isn't it? But like, think about what you're giving up, which is a designed experience where engaging with the space matters. You know, yeah. it just, I like, I don't like this being a slot machine because I don't like slot machines. <laughs> and and some people, like I was complaining about this on Twitter, which is what started the argument with Will. Like, are we, mm-hmm. was it a friendly debate? We found common ground, but somebody was like, yeah, but sometimes it's a really high value thing. Like that slot machine aspect is really fun to some folk. You yeah, know, it's a psychographic yeah. thing. Like the idea that you have a one in 20 chance of getting something cool, even if that means you leave and come back to the zone over and over to reroll that chest is appealing to some mm-hmm. people. Uh, and go with God. It's just, to me, it feels that's it, the worst that game design can be. 
Yeah, um, it, 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 uh, it, it is, it replaced something that could have been, that, like, that could have been more reliable. And yeah, I don't know. I just, uh, I, I, I cannot put myself in the gambler's mindset. Yeah, I, it just know, doesn't, because, uh, f- yeah, for a game with yeah. gambits. You know, I, the, can, the, uh, <laughs> I can find a thousand, you know, okay. F- f- finding one cool thing that is slightly above the power level of where I'm at does not make up for the thousands of times that I found, you know, 200 gil, a potion. you know, a, 200 a, a gil. potion. Yeah. yeah. So some, something that is, you know, it's kind of the, 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 the equivalent of like, Oh, it, it's not worth it to bend over and pick up a penny because you expend more calories than that. Penny it's exactly that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I almost never, uh, like near the back half of this game when I was just cruising, mm-hmm. uh, I just basically stopped picking up chest unless they were literally in my way. Yeah. It was not worth going down a hallway to get to the end where they've maybe put a chest. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was not enough intrinsic or extrinsic reward for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and you're leaving a lot on the table with this, like in terms of not just designed experience in terms of reward, but also in terms of encounter design. Yeah. You know, the way that video games traditionally, and this is not a new concept, like this is something video games just do, is you put something high value behind a high challenge. Mm-hmm. So in this game where everything is random and arbitrary, I'm just walking down the street, bada boop, uh, it's raining. Oh no, there's an elemental that can cast the top level lightning spell and I'm level mm-hmm. 10, sir. Uh, this sucks. Yeah. Uh if I decide to get past that guy through wit or guile or persistence or strategy, I have no better chance of getting something cool from it. Yeah. You could put something cool mm-hmm. back there. Like this makes me feel like I'm running through the streets. Like, you know, <laughs> like it's, they live or something, you know, like why, <laughs> why isn't this obvious? Yeah. You know, and I'm not, I'm not saying that to you. I'm saying it to, no. developers really like i uh-huh. don't understand the the thinking behind this uh-huh. like okay and and it also affects the way the dungeons work out like i have a real bone to pick with jrpg dun- dungeons in, in general this game they're better than they can be yep uh they have a little bit more visual detail and they make more sense as a space yeah about half the time yeah so like you're in a mine it has mining equipment there's like some debris and stuff it's not just hallways mm-hmm. you do end up in really weird uncanny places like the very first or second dungeon of the game when you're in the palace and it's like well here here's our weird t-shaped hallway that leads to two different dead ends i'm guarding <laughs> it don't ask me any more questions though like sense of place or sense of you know immersive sim dna is something that i want in i want yeah. some jrpg to be like yeah what if this was like a palace mm-hmm. you know as opposed to hallways yeah yeah but uh, the, 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 there are people out there you know, slamming sli- slamming on their uh uh car horns and their steering wheels like the honk of your horny guy uh yeah. saying like not every not every chest is random you guys not every chest is random uh they're different they aren't differentiated when you look at them uh yeah. in fact you only know that they're not random because they're because you look at a guide final fantasy 12 dot text that's going to bother yep. some it's not going to bother others and it doesn't I think matter it is, that I, they're not random because you get trained mm-hmm. like a game a game trains you like a very early uh metaphor that i you know came up with the show was like a uh, russian roulette with a gatlin gun yeah you know like you you are you're spinning a huge huge chamber at a chance of a bullet how many times can you expect me to spin that chamber right you know if is, is it infinite because if so <laughs> i'm not going to do it you know, that that's crazy. You shouldn't, you shouldn't ask that. Yeah. You know, 
So big bummer. I, I, I really hate the way that the loot system in this works. It inter- interfaces with a couple other systems I don't like. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a chain system in this where you work up combo chains by killing the same enemy type. There are different yeah. classifications of enemies. This makes them drop better loot. This would be cool if you had more options for when you aggroed an enemy. Yeah. Like if I'm working on a chain and I'm fighting fish that pop out of the water and then a snake pops up next to me, my little dudes are just going to kill it before I can really do anything and ruin yeah. my chain. I didn't really have any control over that. It ends up being the chain is just uh, whether an area is designed with more of the same type of enemies or not. Mm-hmm. Ch- ch- chaining to me, it feels like it is entirely put there for uh, for farming and grinding. Yeah, you know that's the time when I when I most engage with it. You know, just hang, hanging out uh, in Golmar Jungle for about twenty minutes whenever I need to buy something expensive. You know, yep. killing the panthers, right? Yeah, uh, the the quaddles, <laughs> the, 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 the curls. Yes, curls. Yeah, uh, that is a bummer to me. Uh, what this does is it improves the XP gain. You know, all the things that you get the XP gain you get from it and the quality of loot uh, yeah. in this game, rather than enemies dropping money, they drop monster parts generally, which you then sell. Mm-hmm. Uh, you sell these, the game keeps track of where you're at with those universally, mm-hmm. not just uh, at an individual shopkeeper. Yeah. So once you've sold all the parts for a recipe, they'll sell you something from something called the bazaar, yeah. which is like a, uh, esoteric like the description you know it'll be like old wooden stick and they don't know what it is and you buy it it turns out it's the a certain monk pole yes that you can buy uh typically under value or under Mm -hmm. market price right um uh, this i think was designed to feel like a fun surprise you know just like oh Mm -hmm. you would sell some stuff and then here's a bizarre uh you know here's a new bizarre thing right um however you know because gamers are gamers and also because they decided to put really really valuable shit behind this and make it so that you can miss out if you sell things in the wrong combinations uh and also some of the stuff you sell is used for side quests as uh, mm-hmm. so, you know stuff to turn in um you know there is a certain fomo associated with okay i need to double check that something that i'm going to sell is not on is not one of the forbidden items uh before yes. i sell, but you know before i sell it um, you, you know, and so like you, you, it stops being a fun surprise. I'm more like a system that you grudgingly engage with doing control F on a wiki page. Yes. If you, again, if you want to yes. with that, because you can also just sell everything. Yeah. Uh, and make your way through the game just fine. Mm-hmm. It's, you have to get more into guides and luck if you want to do the tough stuff, the super tough stuff in the game. Yeah. So on one level, like I respect that it's optional, mm-hmm. you know, on another level, it's like the non-optional version is poison. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's bad design. Um, which, you know, so I know it's, it's neither here nor there. You cannot sell all, which is a bummer. Uh, mm-hmm. if you're just selling things, uh, yeah. it ends up becoming, uh, very tedious, uh, to do it. Tedious was in uh, final fantasy 10. Yeah. The, 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 uh, well, his, his little weird little clone is in this one. His little t- Tim Heidecker bronzer clone. Um, the uh, and think about uh, if you want to engage with it in that optimal way, think about what that does to the game experience and the play design. So I can't sell all of my you know monster dicks. 
I need to save a certain number of monster dicks because they're needed for the monster dick quest. Mm-hmm. What is my next course of action? Grind more. Go kill more monsters to get things that aren't monster dicks. Yeah. Or get enough monster dicks so I can sell the surplus. Like yeah. the the way around this is not interesting. It just means go grind more. It's it 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 is a machine that you feed time to. Yes, which it, in some ways is just the genre, you mm-hmm. know, and that is that is a selling point for a lot of people. Like yeah. you know, I just want a way to turn today until tomorrow without <laughs> thinking or feeling any pain. And I get that. I sleep yeah. a lot. I'm depressed. <laughs> I, I just you know, like I understand that as as an appeal. It's just not something that appeals to me in video games anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. let's talk about hunts and, and side quest. And yeah. Uh, let's do this. The world is big. Uh, there's yep. lots of, st- there's lots of stuff to do in it. That is not the main quest. The primary systematized version of this is the hunts. There are 45, um, targets you can go after. Uh, many of which that are unlocked when you reach particular areas. This is kind of a story-gated thing. But these are um, very powerful monsters that people put bounties on. Uh, and you have to go and seek them out um, under particular conditions and take them out. These are almost always, uh, you know, if you engage them at the at the proper level, they're going to be challenge bosses. Ultimately, up until, you know, the kind of the final one of these is the, you know, big challenge boss of this game that used to take, you know, hours and hours and hours to beat. Yeah. Like you, you literally buckle up. Yeah. Like it was an MMO raid that you did on yeah. your own. Mm-hmm. Um, these are cool. Yep. Uh, I like the the idea of these. There are nitpicks I have in terms of execution. Like, I wish that uh, mechanically, like if they were about combat, I generally mm-hmm. really like them. Yeah. The ones I did like, oh, this will be an interesting combat challenge when they're puzzles. The puzzles are pretty shitty. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of going and ta- like FedExing. Yeah. You know, like you have to go talk to a certain person or you have to go do find the person to tell you to do the arbitrary thing to make a monster appear. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the content of the the non-combat action was not very fun to me. Yeah, that's these. where I fall too. Yeah. yeah. Like the the idea of that is great. Mm-hmm. You know, like you have to solve a little puzzle. They just forgot to put in good puzzles right? for it. Uh, but the idea of these is really wonderful. Like the idea of you having to prep. Uh, I wish that when you went and talked to the person who put out the bounty, mm-hmm. they had more useful tactical information. Yes. Like what I wanted was instead of this person's life story about how they hate this bird, I wanted, uh, (laughs) I wanted them to be like, Hey, the thing you have to watch out for, like this thing's actually no big deal, but the area it's in contains this monster who does Mm -hmm. this status effect. That would give you that cool, like preparing for a hunt monster hunter feeling, you know, that you maybe want. It, it didn't do that. No, generally. Mm -hmm. So yeah, the rewards um, for these are really good. You know, yes. you, uh, you know, it'll generally be a, be above what you would get by doing stuff that is in the, uh, main story at that particular time, mm-hmm. um, which is, uh, which is good. Also doing these in addition to other stuff raises your clan rank. Uh, you're, you're in a little Moogle, Moogle gang, um, yeah. run, and, run by uh, the same guy who runs the, uh, Final Fantasy Tactics of the Dance one, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Mont Blanc. Yeah. yeah. Mont Blanc. Yeah. And uh, uh, the, the raising your rank will unlock special goods at the clan provisioner. Uh, and, you know, this is how you get some of those really powerful accessories and such. Yeah. Game breaking stuff. Like you yeah. get a little belt that gives yourself bubble all the time. Mm-hmm. You do it from this. Bubble belt. Uh, yeah. Bubble belt. Uh, bubble belt. Uh, mm. the, 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 <laughs> the, the last thing I, I want to mention that I don't think we covered. There's probably other stuff to you, but like 
So the, the way that this game does scale and does world, we talked about it being a really big world. One of its big innovations and something that I recognize as being really cool for the time, but mm-hmm. is has not aged really well for me, to me, to me, to me, uh, is cities. Um, in this game, they made cities really big. Gone are the, this is two screens with like somebody walking back and forth saying the king lives in the castle who's mm-hmm. supposed to represent a populace. Yeah. Uh, this, these towns are huge and they have semi-realistic numbers of people in them and similar to modern uh open world games or western rpgs the ones that have something to say have a little exclamation point everyone else just stands around Mm -hmm. so similar to like a witcher 3 or something like that yeah um this is cool in terms of giving you the feeling of a town this is the first time in this genre i felt like i was in a realistically proportioned city Mm -hmm. um i wish that the random townspeople had better things to say yeah, Like the writing in this game is interesting because I think that the plotting and dialogue on the main plot is all pretty good, mm-hmm. uh, well above average, you oh, know, yeah. but pretty good in, you know, video game terms. If you go and randomly talk to an NPC, it sucks. Uh, yeah. there's, there's not what I wanted to get was, was more world building on mm-hmm. this stuff, but there's like only so many things a refugee can say, Yeah, uh, you know, it sucks being a refugee. And like <laughs> I saw your name is refugee. I, I know what that means. Yeah. You know, this isn't really helpful. It ended up having a similar problem to the treasure quest treasure chest where like, yeah. maybe there were people who had interesting things to say, mm-hmm. uh, but I had been conditioned by the hundreds of people who just said some bullshit to yeah. not talk to them. And I, again, this game is very long, took me 42 hours to beat. Uh, and that was skipping almost all the NPCs. I would talk to mm-hmm. a few people when I first got to a town to get kind of the flavor. Yeah. And then I would not go and talk to everybody because yeah. the, the extra, the intrinsic reward was not good enough. The writing it, was not good. It, it ended up again, falling back to me, like uh, a, a big realistic city to walk through is neat from a flavor perspective, but functionally I just wanted the menu. <laughs> just give me, yeah. give me the menu. In, yeah. in the first town, they have those Moogles that will teleport you around to different areas of interest. And yeah. I was like, Oh, that's great. Like that's, they're just going to be in every town. They're just going to basically be a menu, but mm-hmm. they just, they dry up. The other towns are much smaller. Ends up being yeah. a thing. Yeah, that's true. But Rabbit still, like, you still have to yeah. walk across like a big long hallway to get to the yeah. thing you want, you know, as mm-hmm. opposed to a menu. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, that ended up uh, bumming me out just a tish. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a bummer. It's a, it's a low key friction that comes in and it, it ends up feeling not worth, not worth the time to stop and, uh, you know, talk to the folks. There, there's a thing that is the, one of the philosophical like things with me in terms of what bothers me in games mm-hmm. versus people who I talk to about it. And it's, it, again, no judgment. I'm, you know, there's, uh, if something doesn't bother you, I, I wouldn't, I don't want it to bother you, mm-hmm. but like my, I always feel like if something's in a game, it should be interesting or mechanically relevant or something like it should, mm-hmm. I want things in a game to justify themselves. Yeah. You know, all you the know, space, you know, each, each person is an opportunity to do something cool and additive. Yeah. Tell a joke. Yeah. You know, do it, do it like Monkey Island or, or West of Loathing or something. Tell a joke or have an interesting, scary short story like Tides of Numenera or Torment or Disco Elysium. Yeah. You know, and it's, those are Western RPG examples. I'm not trying to fight Pokemon. I'm mm-hmm. just saying that like, it tends to be a difference whether characters have like the, whether effort is put into yeah. the NPCs, whether they're meant to be just a backdrop that like you talk to because you're talking to everybody. Cause that's what video, the, playing the game is. Mm-hmm. Or whether they took that as an opportunity to do something cool. Yeah. You know, I want there to be something cool there. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to cheer for, for the craft. 
that's happening. I don't want to just be like, ah, that's, that's really, boy, that that's not good. Yeah. And that's, and, and it's an (laughs) aggregate too. So like I can imagine someone being like, oh, you're making a big deal about clicking one button and talking to one person, you know, and them not having something interesting to say, they can't all say something interesting. Mm -hmm. No, but again, like more than one out of 20 can. Yeah. Like the, the proportions are, are really, really not in its favor about mm-hmm. this stuff. I am not nitpicking about, oh, I ran into one treasure chest that it had a potion. That sucks. I ran into one NPC and they didn't have anything interesting to say. That sucks. It's almost all of them. It really, it really messes with your risk versus reward. You know, the, the, the stakes are kind of low. I am gambling a little bit of time, but that adds up and, and ultimately becomes friction that makes it so like, yeah, like just that the, there are people I see that they could say something. It's probably not going to, again, it, it will not be worth the calories to bend down and pick up this penny. It, it is very picking up a penny, Yeah, you know, and, and to me, that is a big deal. It cast a pall over the game it doesn't make me dislike this game i like the zodiac age final fantasy 12 i think this is a mm-hmm. good game yeah. uh, and it doesn't sound like it so far because i have all these nitpicks but we'll get into it like i i like the story of this game i generally like the characters i think mm-hmm. that the performances and stuff are, are very good yeah um it's a fun movie to watch mm-hmm. it's star wars but it's a fun movie to watch it's more fun <laughs> than star wars um <laughs> the uh so i i do like this game but those things bug me mm-hmm. you know and if it doesn't bug you i'm not trying to make it bug you you know, yeah. that's valid. You know, something that makes me stick out kind of as we transition into talking about the aesthetics of this is, you know, this is the only Final Fantasy game, you know, that we've talked about and probably one of the only ones where the mechanics discussion would be an hour and a half long. Yeah. You know, there's a lot maybe, of mechanic to this. Maybe eight. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just and then and that's that's what stands out to me. This is an intricate, intricate game, and there's a lot to you know to bite into in a way that is kind of not necessarily the not necessarily the case for a lot of games of this of this vintage and of this uh, and of this stripe. Yeah, is necessarily not the case. Like it, yeah. it's almost none of the, those games have this kind mm-hmm. of complex, you know, mechanical complexity. Even if I don't feel like they hit all those home runs, mm-hmm. they're doing something at least more interesting. You know, even yeah. if it ends up being gobsmacking, like why they would do something like that treasure <laughs> thing, it's something to talk about as opposed to like Rogue Galaxy where they just didn't, you know, <laughs> like, well, I don't know. Man, like systems, really video games, that that's ro- for some, that's nobody's business, but my, you know, that's not my business. <laughs> they're really you know? picking on that Rogue Galaxy guy. He must work there. It's <laughs> <laughs> a the fucking wretched game. Uh, <laughs> this, this was the generation in which I was like, I don't like this genre. They're bad yeah. now. Uh, you know, the PS2 has bad JRPGs generally. This one is an exception. I think. Yeah. Let's talk about the um, aesthetics. Um, yeah. This is an excellently localized game. Um, oh, it's and, incredible. Oh, and this like, is the, the oh, go, go ahead. Yeah. Gonna, like learning the stuff that was result of localization mm-hmm. is fucking crazy. Yeah. <laughs> in this game. Like I, I was very impressed. This is maybe <laughs> one of the times I'm most impressed with localization in a mm-hmm. video game. Yeah. Like I want a legends of localization about this. Um, yeah. you know, it, that, that would be, that, that would be amazing to me. Um, uh, so this was localized by Alexander O. Smith. Uh, generally I can't say enough good stuff about the game's writing, um, in mm-hmm. the, uh, in the, in the story. Uh, you know, cause evilly sh- shit happens. The scenario was done, uh, by, uh, uh, Yasunori Matsuno. Like yeah. there's really cool, uh, intrigue going on in the grand scheme of things. Your characters don't matter very much until the end when you start interfacing with the gods and stuff, because ultimately mm-hmm. JRPGs are going to have to regress to the mean. 
um and the actual like cadence the kind of the the the, the valence of the speech is done in this really excellent you know not quite shakespearean but uh you know heightened um you know heightened dialect let's say that ends up like being just interesting to look at and read and have delivered it to me doing the the kind of vaguely yield mm-hmm. uh language and something papers over awkwardness yes uh, that happens sometimes in this genre like mm-hmm. these are big messy melodramas about teens and their big teen feelings and killing gods mm-hmm. generally as a genre yeah uh, i'm you know that's a taste thing but for me i, I that, that's not inherently interesting to me mm-hmm. uh adding this little layer of like game of thronesification of the dialogue mm-hmm. making it have this uh formal and poetic kind of quality to it yeah makes it not feel awkward it's like an additional filter that makes it feel not natural but not uncannily unnatural i, I mean like it, so it, it puts it into which, a recognizable mode <laughs> well i think i think what you're talking about is it makes it feel like a performance you know yeah even yeah. um even in final fantasy tactics where nothing is uh where, where nothing is voiced outside of you know the stuff they added for the war of the lions version um you know there this mode of writing that is intrinsic to the evilly stories um mm-hmm. does feel you know if not, you know, not quite literary right because we're not talking about disco elysium we're not talking about pathologic um but it does feel you know theatrical uh, which, yes. you know, is just a different mode to look at this stuff that, you know, papers over quite a bit. And that's exactly it. Like, we're still dealing with characters that are archetypical. Yes. You know, like, I like Balthier. Balthier is not crazy deep or anything. He's not yeah. a new thing. He's not Harry <laughs> or Dubois. Right. You know, he's 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 an archetype. He, yeah. he is, you know, he's a character class. Mm-hmm. But by adding this performance to it, you end up having a kind of a greater sense of like it's, it's, it's underlying the artifice in a good way. Yes. You know, as opposed to having a bunch of characters who speak naturally, but are very shallow, Mm -hmm. like because they're just honorable, but good, (laughs) Uh, you know, so it ends up, they end up feeling like weird robots Uh to them. This is like, it's almost like it knows it's a video game. Yeah. In this respect. Um, Something that is crazy to me that is uh part of the localization is that it was a localization choice to give characters from different areas of this world different accents it's it is it is such a huge deal the fact that bejerbans are german the fact that arcadians are english the fact that uh dalmascans are american like if a big world with different nations will have speak will have people who speak in different ways it blows my fucking mind. Like yeah. the original, the the Japanese voice acting for this is just everyone just speaking. Yeah, there's there's no sense of that difference. That does so much, and I uh-huh. I was very surprised to find out that was an Alexander o. Smith decision. Yeah, like he's like, yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna do this right. Like mm-hmm. we're we're gonna we're gonna you know differentiate these world places. We're gonna get theater actors, mm-hmm. you know, so not video game voice actor voiceover artist or like anime actors like the stable we're going to take people from the theater you know acting's a thing right like my my girlfriend uh is is a voice actress like that's you know aspiring voice actress that's what she wants to do Mm -hmm. and she's taken courses uh and like classes and stuff for it and the people from the big voice acting kind of schools and institutions and stuff their number one piece of advice is be an actor Mm -hmm. you know like that that comes first it really does 
Like it, it is a skill set. It's not just something everyone can do because they can make a funny voice. Yeah. It's similar when everyone's like, I'm just going to start a restaurant. And it's like, no, people <laughs> go to school for this. It's, it's, it's a real thing. Uh-huh. This is a craft. Take yeah. people who actually do it. Yeah. You know, uh, and they did. Like, I hate Vaughn and I hate his voice actor and I hate his performance. I hate everything about his character. Uh, but he's not, if, if you think it is a good goal to make a Vaughn, mm-hmm. that character is a Vaughn. Like, like he, he, he is created. It, it is, yes. it, it is a dialogue between the actor and the, and, and the words that, that, that they're given. They're, they're yep. engaging with it in a different way than just you have the voice that matches the kind of character that we're, that, that we're aiming for. Like yes. we're, you know, you, this is, this is a, a deep voice person. So let's put Yuri Lowenthal on it. <laughs> you know, I, I don't, it's so weird that like, I agree that this is awesome. It's so, it says a lot about the, the medium, not the genre, the medium that mm-hmm. this is a big deal. Yeah. Like this feels like this should be the minimum thing you can ask for. Yeah. You know, actors uh, <laughs> doing a good voice performance that, that sounds, you know, that f- sounds professional and is paced out. There are like pauses in the dialogue mm-hmm. and stuff. The, it, it just does a lot. Uh, the presentation for this is really good. Yes. Um, that extends to lots of parts of it. Um, the visual design is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, really weirdly, like this is not taking its cues from anywhere we usually get. I'm always really happy when something isn't just dragons or pagodas. Yeah. Um, you know, this is taking its architectural cues from the Middle East. Yeah. Um, or like Turkey and the Mediterranean and like things like that. Like that is what the the buildings and, and architectural design is. Yeah, it's a it's a huge amount of characterization, right? Like I just I that was one of the things that really won me over to this early on when I was reading about the development of this. Like, just like no, like we are fascinated with the you know with where uh, Istanbul, you know, like the the, the mm-hmm. role that it you know that that it plays as this huge crossroads, you know, where European bleeds into you know into into Middle East. The you know setting it here. It's kind of a perfect stand-in for this place that is influenced by a whole bunch of other, you know, other things, and is its own, and is its own has its own identity, right? Yes, um, you know, and you 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 end up venturing to places that have lots of different kind of cues, but Rabinaster as the center being, you know, being taken from that, you know, where it is neither European nor nor Asian, I think is a is a huge is a hugely good decision on their part. Yeah, it's a big deal. Like it's yeah. just not something you see in video games and you definitely did not see, you don't see in video games often and you definitely didn't at the time and certainly didn't in this series Yeah, and never would again. Uh, the series <laughs> is no longer interested in real world inspired places. Like everything is a very, very colorful sci-fi blend yeah. now. Uh, this was, this is the last gasp of a mm-hmm. realistic world influence Yeah, here. Uh, the soundtrack is great. Love it. Um, this is yeah, Hitoshi Sakamoto, the composer of Final Fantasy Tactics, Vagrant Story, Tactics Ogre. Uh, tons of little musical quotes from Final mm-hmm. Fantasy Tactics. Every so single good. time, you know, bypassed my my ears and got to my lizard brain. <laughs> and I'm like, ah, <laughs> mm, Final Fantasy Tactics. That's a good feeling. Just the just the theme for Robin Astor. So many earworms in this. <laughs> yeah, it's real good. Like yeah. the, the the music and, and everything is very good in this. Yeah. Uh, development on this began in 2000. Yasunari Matsuno, uh, Final mm-hmm. Fantasy Tactics guy, Vagrant Story guy, Tactics Ogre guy. Um, he was one of the directors working alongside, um, uh, oh gosh, Ito. I need to grab that guy's name. 
Um, but yeah, yeah, he was co-directing this. Uh, he was apparently really difficult to work with on this project. There are lots of stories about this, whether it was just too much game for him to lead, whether, you know, Square's leadership was conducive to him. Uh, this was also, uh, complicated by the fact that this was right around the time when Hironobu Sakaguchi left Square to form Mistwalker and just a ton of people left. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 Matsuno refused to come into work for a month because so much of his team, you know, departed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he left citing illness Um, there's some confusion over this like he came out later and said like yes I was sick but I'm so sorry for letting everyone down yeah and stuff there's weird Japanese business culture yeah things at play here that I uh, do not you know cannot necessarily grok yeah I have no insight into that so I can't make a statement about like what of this is true how reasonable and 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 how true it is there are a lot of urban legends about the development of this like it's uh, at the time this came out, it was the longest a game had been developed or been yeah. in development. It held mm-hmm. that record for a while. Yeah. So it was certainly a troubled development of a kind. But then there's also interviews and stuff where we're like, no, we basically made the thing we wanted to make. Yeah. You know, there's also people undercutting that message as well. So it's a little bit confusing. Uh, I want to give a shout out. Jeremy Parrish, friend of the show, uh, wrote a long or uh, did a very long interview with the uh, original leads for this when the Zodiac Age first came out mm-hmm. for polygon oh, uh, that is a great read i didn't uh, see that <laughs> yeah, i recommend giving it a chance it was cited in um wikipedia because i was trying to find one of the biggest urban legends of this uh and this would come up later but we'll, we'll talk about it yeah that's now uh, is about vaughn um the the choice of vaughn uh people rightly hate vaughn and <laughs> i think that people in their heads made up something that made sense uh-huh. Which is that Bosch was originally meant to be the main character and that damn executive meddling uh, made them have, <laughs> oh, no, 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 we need a Bishan and fuckboy to yeah. be the main character who's youthful. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we can't have somebody who's 28. Yeah, we need to hit the right, uh, you know, demographic quadrant. Yeah, the, the demographic quadrant of 11 to 15. <laughs> uh, this. So the idea is they just switched it and it, the way it has always been told to me is pitting Matsuno, who mm-hmm. the good, good, good Matsuno who wanted Bosch versus yeah. those you know, mustache twirling execs. Uh, this is not true. No, uh, basically, even though Jeremy's thing, which does not you know say it's not true, is mm-hmm. cited as truth for it on the right. Wikipedia. So a good don't trust Wikipedia thing. But that that change was actually made very, very early. Mm-hmm. Uh, in development to make it Devon, and it was uh, it was not something that the creators did under duress. Right, uh, right. So Vaughn and Bosch were always separate characters. They just made uh, Vaughn's initial conception was older and just you know kind of like more rough cut than he yeah. than, than he ultimately was. Um, uh, but they were always separate. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and instead, they they changed Vaughn uh, for like in largely because of marketing reasons but it's mm-hmm. not something like it's not a creative versus marketing no no yeah. yeah they they wanted to to hit the demographic i don't know what you name what the i'm sure that there is a a name for the character that mm-hmm. vaughn is the type of like happy-go-plucky high energy like enthusiastic kid <sighs> right I, right i hate it i i hate vaughn and i hate spending time with a character who's like that if, i don't want yeah. to do it anymore ever again it's it's uh, it's one of those things where like the the way Vaughn is expressed, I don't I don't care for it. Doesn't bother me as much as much as you. Having your main character be just a person, you know, who is you know was displaced by the war, and you know is not 
you know, is, is basically nobody in this world and as a bystander to everything that is that is happening, you know, making them kind of a player of your surrogate um, that reinforces the things that are cool about the story, which is these great forces move irrespective of you. Uh, the fact that they made him, uh, you know, the the, uh, the 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 plucky I'm going to be a sky pirate. Uh, you know, basically tails kind of guy gets in the way of that. It stops that idea from being as cool as it can be to me. What also it leads to tons of distance because he has no reason to be there. Right. Uh, for a lot of it. At one point he literally looks at the camera and goes, I'm just along for the ride. Yeah. And I'm like, man, that sucks. <laughs> you have no stakes in here. And don't even get me started on fucking Pinello, who has <laughs> no reason to be there. Like having characters who don't really have a personality like and don't are not tied to the plot very well mm-hmm. everything that ties von into the plot feels patched on like grafted yeah. and yeah. it ill befits a lord <laughs> like it just like, it was like oh man oh yeah his brother was also there <laughs> like it's so funny uh but every time he opens his mouth i just want to die inside I, I just i really really hate his voice actor and i hate that archetype i don't yeah. want to deal with like a young i don't want to deal with the tales mm-hmm I'm not an 11 to 15 year old. I don't understand what the appeal of a tales is. Yeah. I want stories about adults doing adult shit or kids weighing over their heads and not being happy about it. You know, <laughs> who wants a story about just a happy kid who just rolls with it. You know? <laughs> that's, that isn't, that isn't yeah. fiction. Come on. Yeah. That's, that's not drama, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's, he's a horrible little shit. We'll, we'll talk about the other characters when we run into them. Mm-hmm. They're all better than him. Yes. Uh, except perhaps Vanilla, who's fucking awful. <laughs> And I had no idea why Penel is doing this game. Yeah. Uh, she, in the development, she did get a lot of stuff cut from her. The, uh, mm-hmm. the, the main Ito, I think it's Ito. Uh, that was his favorite character in the game based mm-hmm. on early writing drafts. And they cut yeah. tons of Penelo stuff. Which so, sucks. Used to have a personality. Yeah. Um, uh, like we said, there was the co-director at the beginning, Hiroyuki Ito. Um, mm-hmm. He stayed on after Matsuno left. Uh, he previously had directed Final Fantasy six and nine. So no nice. slouch like that, yep. you know, that, that, that is kind of the, the, the core there. Uh, mm-hmm. he was the one who created the active battle system, though. He was not the designer or the active time battle uh, system. He was not the designer on the active dimension battle system. That was a different yes. systems, uh, developer, um, uh, to fill the absence because this is a big game and they needed multiple directors, the visual, um, director, the art director, uh, Hiroshi Minagawa, uh, stepped up uh, to kind of co-direct and finish out the project. Uh, Minigawa had worked alongside Matsuno since basically the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's basically the person who is responsible for the look of the evilest games for anything that Matsuno has touched. Yes. Yeah. Uh, when they started off, they wanted to move away from turn-based uh, random battles, specifically random battles. They yeah. wanted to have enemies on the field. Uh, mm-hmm. here um from the very beginning of development which kind of ends up solving uh you know a curve for yeah. this like the fact that there are just enemies on the field is a first for this series and impressive for final fantasy and impressive for when development began yes this. like this came out the same year oblivion did you mm-hmm. know like having a big open world with enemies on the field is not actually a big deal by 2006 mm-hmm. it was by 2000 if this did yeah. not have as long and trouble to development it might have been a real innovator yeah. in that respect not just a series or genre innovator but an actual medium mm-hmm. innovator 
uh, for yeah. it. Um, but they they wanted to do that. They also wanted to have like a lot of different cut features, one of which was co-op, where a character could just pick up uh, the controller and control one of your extra guys. This was cut for technical reasons. They ended up having a lot of problems with when cutscenes would trigger. Yes. Um, they did not know what to do if one member of your party was on one side of the map and another member of the party walked past a barrier that triggered a cutscene. Mm-hmm. Um, this also influenced the gambit system. Yes. Like there was, it was a lot of work to get characters to not wander off <laughs> uh, and, and start story stuff. Um, right. This it's not as bad as it could be. This game does have a lot of, you do a cutscene, then you walk down a hallway and another cutscene starts Yeah, like max Payne three shit. Um, <laughs> I can understand that being really hard if you had independent characters. Yes. Like three max pains. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. you're sharing a screen. This isn't, you know, it can't be like playing divinity, original sin multiplayer, you know? Yes. Yeah, uh, where one character and that game doesn't have only has cutscenes at chapter breaks. Yeah. Like a character will get into dialogue, but it does all of its story through talking, right? Uh, as opposed to showing. So, yeah, um, uh, yeah. Uh, so, like I said, development took a lot longer uh, than planned. You know, for those technical and organizational reasons. You know, it came out crazy late. It basically a uh, little over a year after the Xbox 360 came out, kind of making it a, a capstone uh, on the PS2. It is still wild to think that this was released on the PS2. There used to be wow. such a big difference between the games released at the beginning of the console's life cycle and at the end of it. Yeah. The, uh, the, one of the things that was a cool nugget from that Jeremy Parrish thing is how the long development cycle of this whole thing basically is responsible for the fucked status of modern square. Oh yeah. Like they're still shaking it off. This taking forever meant, you know, Final Fantasy 13 was originally supposed to be a PS2 game. Mm-hmm. They had to shunt that over to PS3, which they did on yeah. less time. We all know how that turned out. Like that game yeah. has gotten a reevaluation in recent years, but I'm still on team. Like this is trash, <laughs> uh, you know, and then that just put them on this delay cycle. Yeah. Uh, so whatever you think of modern square in both because of Final Fantasy 12 successes and failures, it is responsible for what square is now. Yeah. Uh, basically. The one-two punch of Final Fantasy XII's um, trouble development, plus the, just the economic Armageddon that happened when Square decided, hey, let's make a um, a Hollywood animation studio. Yeah. What if and we made Hawaii? a horrible movie? Yeah. What if we made yeah. a horrible movie and you know, basically as a commercial for like, hey, hire us to help you make good movies um, yeah. and spend all of the money in the world on that? Uh, that kind of backfooted them for an entire generation. Uh, yep. You know, Square is not just Final Fantasy. You know, there's other stuff. There was other stuff that came around, but like, it is foolish to believe that uh, that you know th- this isn't the central pillar, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, really interestingly, this game has aged uh, well for mm-hmm. within the context of the series. Um, at the time it came out, it was real big with critics. Critics really yeah. liked it. Uh, you know, I think they kind of see the forward looking. I feel like whether they said it or not, intuitively, they could understand that they were basically doing Gambit system shit in their head. Yeah. You know, but to players, there was just the, oh, it, it Kirby Air rides, you know, it, yeah. it, it plays itself. Um, I know that game doesn't tech, you know, it only kind of plays itself. Don't add <laughs> Every time you that. bring that up, there's just, uh, there's, Somebody there's a great chorus. Yeah. yeah. It, it, do, it can play itself. You uh-huh. can do more than that, but it can also play itself. Um, <laughs> The uh, so people are like, oh, this plays itself without realizing, like, you weren't really there in the first place, <laughs> you know. Uh, so fans did not like it, uh, really, right. just the gambit system. 
mm-hmm. was like the main, almost the only point of complaint. Yeah. I remember living it. Like I would talk to my friends and stuff mm-hmm. when this came out, you know, this being the last final fantasy I bought day and date one and was excited for like all, you know, my friends were all playing it as well. And I remember having conversations and even at the time me being like, yeah, I don't know about this. Yeah. You know, it wasn't my big bugbear my first playthrough, but I wasn't mm-hmm. as sold on it as I am now. It was different in a, in a genre that is very much about comfort, it's different. you know, e- yeah. even if, even if we didn't realize it, you know, the fact that we got three entries in a row that were, you know, that all basically had the same gameplay conventions, you know, you know, the PS2, the PS2 era for square was, was, was great. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, or at least for, you know, for, for the PS1 era for uh, final fantasy was great and comforting and to not only, have this, but wait so long for it and have it come out and be this like, Hey, you know, basically be like a living critique of that thing. People were clamoring for, uh, I can see that building resentment, uh, even if I don't entirely agree with or live in it. it. It's the thing that makes me respect it so much now. Like the thing that unlocked it for me as a thing I admire is considering it like a critique Yeah, of that, like realizing how it lays bare, how I had been spending my time. You know, this is, this is a game that's ultimately on my side of, in a lot of ways, on my side of this issue. Yeah. Well, you know? just, you, you like to see, you know, even something as big and ossified as Square be capable of self-reflection. Yeah. <laughs> and I judge, I think of this company based on trust and whether I like their decisions. Uh-huh. You know, so the same, I, and they'd been racking up L's at this point, like things like them not thinking that gamers would roll re-roll chests until they got optimal loot like come on man that that makes me question your judgment like what's wrong with you <laughs> them doing something like this that is actually canny uh is cool to see mm-hmm. you know as a company that's very important to me in my childhood yeah um uh, there's a direct sequel to this that i have never played because it's about von and pinello <laughs> yeah it's a hey kids do you, do you love von and pinello and they're you know, do you want to see what happens if he became an air pirate <laughs> um you can it's on the ds yeah. it's uh final fantasy 12 remnant wings a real-time strategy game that you were encouraged to play entirely with a stylus uh-huh. uh developed by a different developer got a lot of eight out of tens yeah you know? um i read into it in doing research for this episode but it wasn't enough to where i was like yes i want to play this yeah, even though yeah. i am more in the pocket for rts's than jrpgs these days yeah i just don't want to spend more time with vaughn uh so uh the international zodiac job system version of this released in japan in 2007 this has kind of always been a thing the international version being a revision uh coming out everywhere but here um Mm -hmm. uh, i guess it it was always a thing up until around this point this added the zodiac jobs new game plus new game minus uh, a trial system which i haven't engaged with and won't talk about um it's like the basic just for completionist sake it's waves of combat and allows you to jump the treasure curve yes um new Uh, game minus is also a new term to this mm -hmm. Uh, what that is is allows you to start a new game where you cannot gain experience and you cannot level up Mm -hmm. Uh, i like the idea of a new game minus yes it's it's like a soul level one Mm -hmm. kind of run i would never do that but i like that it exists yes like the spirit um yeah because they because they know how people play this game (laughs) yeah yeah it's it's basically similar to the gambits it's codifying a challenge mode Mm -hmm. like Every, you know, with Final Fantasy Tactics, there have been a million challenge modes for that forever. This is just adding one from the menu. Yeah. Um, the International Zodiac Job System version is significantly less advanced than the Zodiac Age version. Yes. Um, we talked about the improvements a lot in this, but they're huge. 
Um, it, you know, being able to do two jobs is really big. The fast forward going from double time to four times mm-hmm. is huge. You know, I don't, I don't know my, like I did a, the minimum of this game. My play clock was 42 hours. If I didn't have the fast forward, it probably would have been like 60. Yes. It would have been 18 hours of just watching animations, mm-hmm. uh, that I, you know, two seasons of better call Saul that I would have just not had. <laughs> so right. it, four times is the correct amount. I want that mm-hmm. backported into every single JRPG. And I want that. Has. I want that more so than the, like you are automatically level 99 with max stats stuff. Me too. Like, I don't want to watch a boring movie that I have to take long breaks from. Mm -hmm. I want to make everything happen faster. I also really, I don't know if this comes up. uh, Those ports of those things should all have, there are one fourth the encounters, but you have four times the XP. Yep. Like, that would also be a good balance. Mm -hmm. You know, make me spend less time to get there. A lot of other ports that are really cheap, actually. Yeah. It sucks. It just, it, it dry from a, just a, a game design standpoint. I'm just like, man. Uh-huh. the best anyone can ever offer me with stuff like that is like, yeah, it just didn't bother me. Like n- <laughs> nobody can ever say like, yeah, that fucking made me pumped. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I loved that. I just had to do this, this many battles. Yeah. Like it just, yeah, I didn't see it. It doesn't look like anything to me. <laughs> you know? Let's get into it. So we open up uh, on a moment of celebration. Dalmasca, um, specifically Rabinaster, the capital city. It's an all-out celebration because uh, Princess Ash has uh, married uh, Prince Rassler from uh, the Rassler. <laughs> Rassler. His name is Rassler. <laughs> uh, this is a nitpick. I hate Rassler's haircut. He's the yeah. only one who looks like this. He doesn't Everyone look like he's is- from this game. No, he doesn't. <laughs> he's a weird like anime doll. That came to life. It's it's the boy. Uh, so later, when he constantly appears as a force ghost, and like they t- tug at my heartstrings with this bad haircut, like it's very difficult for me. Yeah. Oh man! Uh, but uh, this is a grand union between these two borderland kingdoms. Uh, you know, uh, Dalmasca and Abradia. Uh, but uh, kind of shortly after this, uh, there are clouds of war. Uh, Bosch, Captain Bosch von Ronsenberg. Uh, he mm-hmm. walks into this war room saying like, hey, uh, the city of Nabudis has fallen uh, to the Arcadians, this grand empire uh, to the uh, to the north and west. Um, and both Bosch and Rossler are going to go to the front. Yes. Uh, so a battle comes to a head at Nalbina Fortress. Um, there are fighter craft dogfighting. Uh, mm-hmm. We talked about this. I mentioned this earlier in the, the intro, but like it's very Star Wars. Yes, this uh, this movie, this game uh, in general and plot. But, you know, they, they talk about they say Star Wars was not an influence. You know, they're more in, influenced by the Hidden Fortress, the original samurai movie that Star Wars was influenced by and the sound effects and the dogfighting and stuff like a lot of yeah. the ship designs really look like Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, like this, this is the best Star Wars thing. Yes. I don't think there's a piece of media other than perhaps the Christmas special that is as good as this <laughs> that has the Star Wars name. <laughs> adjacent to it yeah yeah it, it feels hidden, very star wars hidden fortress is good it's it feels way more modern than it ought to 
Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, no, I I, I agree. This is there, there are Star Wars beats in this. Uh, it veers off of that past that path about halfway through, which is uh, which is welcome. But even when it is doing Star Wars stuff, it's doing evilly stuff too. Yeah, it just just the special effects and sound effects. Yeah, know, like ship design never shakes that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're fighting. Bosch tells Rossler uh, that they must withdraw, but he will not. Uh, right. He won't go through with it. Um, however, something called the Paling Shield fails here. They don't really explain what this is, which I like. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't need to know. Um, and then uh, Rossler's shot in the chest with an arrow. Uh, he died. Yes. Ripped to him. Bosch is different. We see the funeral. Uh, Ash cries over the casket. Even though this was arranged marriage and they were not married for very long, they loved each other quite a bit. Yeah. I I, I like how this is like the November rain video. <laughs> where over the course of five minutes, we go from a wedding to a funeral. It's very November rain. It's very Malbina rain. Uh, <laughs> Malbina's rain. Malbina's rain. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then we get some exposition. So Damascus is this independent city-state caught between these two empires. Arcadia is encroaching toward Rosaria, um, and uh, Nebradia was the first to fall because uh, they were nearer, and uh, Damasca is next. Yes. Uh, the Damascus military has learned there will be an attempt on the king's life. Uh, we So that's kind of the setup, and then we do a prequel uh, yes. thing here where uh, Bosch and Vossler... Uh, wake up Rex, the 17-year-old soldier who is our, our point of view character here, part of the retinue. Um, he was knocked out in combat, and this is our combat and movement tutorial. Right. Uh, they basically tell you how to to fight and do the very basic parts of this. This is not gambits, and this is not, you know, license board. This is the, you know, this is what an aggression line looks like. Yeah. Level. Nuts and bolts. Um, yep. at one point, Rex has to stay behind to deal with some soldiers. Um, and, uh, when he gets to the treaty room, uh, you know, that staying behind was setting up him walking in to find everybody in the treaty room dead, including, including the King. Yep. And not including Bosch who stabs Rex in the gut. Yeah. Uh, he says the King was a traitor who would sell Damascus out to the empire. Rex fades out. Uh, and he, he says Vaughn. Aloud. He says mm-hmm. his brother's name, uh, and he sees Vane's men capturing Bosch captive. Uh, we'll find yeah. out who Vane is. Vane is later. Yeah. Um, this is a big deal. This is going to cost Al Dalmasca its sovereignty. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that uh, that one of their own would rebel against the empire mm-hmm. like this. We're going to have to yes. you know press down on you. Um, and Bosch here um, says, you know, we'll never bow down to you. Uh, and Vane, you know, responds, you know, oh, the people and the people of Dalmasca will hate you for it. Uh, this is, this is the path of least resistance. Yes. Here is when it's just like cool empire political stuff. It's not because he wants to use magic rocks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> because to turn he into tricked. a big wrestler guy. He was, he was tricked by the devil. Yeah. Yeah. I tricked by the devil into using magic rocks, which is basically what every final fantasy turns into. <laughs> kind of, you know, this one is good because it takes longer t- to be about magic rocks. <laughs> uh, like, God, they love those magic rocks though. Yeah. Uh, we switch into this little history scene. These are narrated uh, by a character who this game calls the Marquis instead of the Marquis. I complained Never about doesn't that. bother me. I, I, uh, I, I complained about that once. Apparently, that is a that is the pronunciation in Engl- in England. It's a, uh, it, it, we, is, it is a it is a pronunciation. Yes, but uh, not it, where it's it localized. It also bothers me. Yeah, yeah. They also use Dynast King as a portmanteau of dynasty and king. <laughs> So even if people love the Marquis, uh, but yeah, he, he does the, uh, this narration here talking about the fallout of this event. 
Yeah. Um, you know, they, they tried to put down, there were calls for prayer instead of resistance. Uh, Princess Ash has killed herself. Bosch and the military leadership have all been charged with treason. Damasco will surrender. No terms. Right. Then we flash forward. Uh, what's interesting, an interesting thing about the release of this game originally, this is a, a demo of it was released with Dragon Quest VIII. Mm-hmm. That was just the shitty sewer dungeon. Yeah. It's one of like the worst demos that I've played for a square game. It's not, uh, it's not persuasive. It's not persuasive at all. Uh, I remember getting the demo. It's why I bought Dragon Quest VIII. Mm-hmm. I've been checked out ever since seven. Like I was like, I'm not going to play another Dragon Quest. Dragon Quest seven fucking sucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I played eight. I liked eight, mm-hmm. but I got eight because of this demo. And uh, it is uh, not a good demo. No, no. Um, uh, yeah. yeah. So we're introduced to Vaughn. He's in the sewer killing some rats. Um, and, uh, this is two years after the incident at, uh, Nalbana. He's, he's been orphaned. He lost his only family member and he is a street urchin who is just kind of operating, doing small jobs for like shopkeepers and stuff. He's Aladdin. He's mm-hmm. got a, he's got a vest. He saves, shaves his chest. He wears a lot of bronzer. Uh, he's real plucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's real blank. Like he doesn't yeah. have a whole lot to him. He's the one who tells the hero like, no, you have to keep going. Like that's basically <laughs> his role uh, in the entirety of this story. Yeah. Uh, and then if you thought that was too engaging and complicated, he has Pinello who's mm-hmm. there to back him up every step of the way. Uh, yep. And every once in a while be like Vaughn <laughs> and that's it. Like make yeah. little, little non jokes. They do these little sketches mm-hmm. with each other where they're like, Oh, so f- finally you got to tell me something for a change. What the, you know, they, they do hilarious Waiter Brothers shit all the time. <laughs> Nobody likes it. Me or the other characters in the game. <laughs> I do not know why they have not been drowned in a river. I, I hate both these characters, and they should never have been in a piece of fiction. They, they should forget them at the gas station. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, they got to get dropped off like uh, Walter White's daughter. <laughs> Just put, put them at a fire department and go. Uh, I There's something... Uh, you know, as a, as my ongoing lifelong quest to understand why I connect and disconnect with different kinds of media, mm-hmm. the JRPG point of view character should be a young teen with big dreams and huge feelings mm-hmm. thing fucking kills me. I I am so <sighs> done with this archetype. God. I, <laughs> God. Yeah. I just no, don't, no, I just continue. don't want to spend time with these guys. You know, it's, it's not, if, if you're, if your little guy goes, yeah, let's do it. Mm-hmm. I just don't want, I don't have any interest. I'm out. I'm out. You know? I want to, um, wall Marshall McLuhan up somewhere like, mm. you know, <laughs> in an abandoned Coke oven, just toss him down an oubliette, uh, seal that bad boy up, put him in a cistern, uh, the hero's journey, uh, just as a, uh, as, as a, uh, cited archetype, you know, as, as a, uh, framework, you know, being mm-hmm. identified, uh, and kind of kind of put out there as like, hey, this is this is what media all media is, and then we just say, oh yeah, no, it's just the hero's journey. It follows a template. Uh, I want him uh, to be uh, a Montalado'd and Campbell. Uh, It'd be great because you could you could do Joseph Campbell first. Oh yeah, then, I, I, I got those I got those yeah. mixed up. McClue is the medium. The medium is the message guy. Well, that's, let's, that's let's, I, I, what I thought you were saying was like the fact that this medium uh, <laughs> invokes the hero's journey. That's it. That's all they need to do, you know? <laughs> no. So I, I, I kind of could figure out where you're going with McLuhan stuff, but yeah, yeah, yeah. it's Joseph Campbell. It, it's yeah. the fact that 
every one of these things just has to be an archetype. And one of them has to be a plucky young hero who refuses the call and meets with a mentor and yeah. all that jazz. And just, they don't, he doesn't make any jokes. He doesn't say anything smart or interesting. Mm-hmm. He has no character traits. Like I don't, I don't know what there is to, if you knew Avon in real life, he would be like a homeschooled kid mm-hmm. who you did not want to hang out with. Right. Uh, nothing of interest. No incident, please. Ice milk. Mm-hmm. Like I, I just, I think he's a really bad character. And, you know, and pe- people argue like, oh, Vaughn is just Luke Skywalker. Uh, Luke Skywalker was more interesting than this. I, I also, I mean, and that's not, not going to be that mileage will spend differently for different people. That's not going to spend I, a lot for me. I'm not expecting you, know? you to go along with it, but it's just like, no, 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 just I, to say that as an excuse is, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it, it's not, it's inaccurate, but also for me, like I would like more interesting than Luke Skywalker as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that ends up in like medium differences where like, yeah, spending six hours with Luke Skywalker is very different than spending 42 hours with Vaughn, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, he sees some Arcadian soldiers roughing up a merchant. Uh, he pickpockets one of them. It's very Aladdin. Uh, his partner, Pinello doesn't like it. She's reasonable and doesn't want him to end up in jail, but he's devil may care. Little yeah. fun boy. Uh, the little fun thief monkey child that they've had for many of their games now. Um, <laughs> as is happening, Vaughn sees an airship flying overhead. Uh, this is showing that they are under occupation, yeah. you know, but he's like, you know, someday I'll be free, mister. Uh, I'll be a sky pirate with my own ship. I'll just go wherever I want. You mm-hmm. have no interest. You have no internal life. What would that mean? <laughs> you know, you're not, Man, that, that's not who you are. You're a container that a personality hasn't been poured into. There, 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 there is so much more interesting stuff that they can do. There are, there, there are stories that can be told about a refugee, you know, yep. about somebody, you know, who is, who was, you know, oppressed under the thumb of an empire, you know, he, uh, it's weird. He's yeah. too positive. Yeah. Like he's, he's not, he's not wearing his trauma no. at all. You know, he's just like, hey, let's do it. <laughs> like, you know, and he eventually gets that way. At first he starts off a little bit melancholy, yeah. but he's just so unrelentingly positive that it ceases to be a story about trauma with him. Yeah. Uh, I do like that Joe DiMaggio is their boss. Uh, yeah. Uh, or you mean you d- d- John DiMaggio? Yeah. John DiMaggio. <laughs> yeah, very similar. <laughs> they spell and pronounce their names differently, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> One's a baseball player. One is one of the more storied voiceover artists that yeah, we have. You don't know that he doesn't yep. play baseball. Um, <laughs> well, you got me there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, that's what I mean. <laughs> yeah, uh, he plays Miguelo. Uh he's their uh he's their he's their boss. Uh you know, just uh just coordinating the efforts of all these earthful dodgers. Pinello says, "Hey, Miguelo needs some uh, help over at his store. Uh he's mm-hmm. handling the food for the Imperial Consul's arrival uh and the person uh handling the shipment uh hasn't come back. Um yes. uh, Miguelo is a Benga, the uh, blizzard man." Yes, uh, we're the lizard creatures. If you like the extra races in Final Fantasy Tactics Advance, they're mm-hmm. here. Yeah. Um, so you go over to the uh, the Sand Sea Bar uh, and talk to Kites. It says that all shipments through the uh, Dalmasca Easterland have been stopped because of a monster. This is introducing yeah. you to the hunt system, mm-hmm. uh, where you get your first mark here, the Rogue Tomato. I love um, the Rogue Tomato. I like how a lot of the monsters in this are little cuties. <laughs> <laughs> Like that's real great. <laughs> the baby cactors that you find. Yep. Oh, the boss man. fight that's just like five rogue tomatoes, basically. Uh-huh. That's real cute. Yeah. Uh so you gotta go deal with this so the crates can come through. Uh and when you try to leave the city, the Imperial Guards try to stop you. Again, this is a land occupied, but you present a writ from Miguelo saying, like, hey, do you do you want to be responsible for uh, you know, there being no food at your boss's party? Yeah. Uh, and they let you through. 
Yep. So you go to Delmasker Easterland, which is your intro zone. Uh, it is a big desert. There are a couple of hills. There are wolves. Um, mm-hmm. There's a big T-Rex that's hanging around who's not aggressive yeah. at you, uh, kind of signaling that something, if uh, it is above your level, will usually not hunt you down. Mm-hmm. Again, doesn't apply to elementals who are big fuck yous in this game. Yeah. Um, and what it's trying to do, characters will eventually start saying this, but there's a, even this early, there's a accessory you can get that allows you to use Libra, yeah. uh, which is the, the scan ability in Final Fantasy. Like look at an enemy. It's mm-hmm. never been more important yeah. in a Final Fantasy game than this one. Like you got to be able to see what enemy you're dealing with. And in terms of, I, I knew there was a mechanical thing we were missing uh, when we were talking about this in the generalities, it makes traps show up. Yes. For some reason, this game has traps. Mm-hmm. They're just little glowing spots you don't step on, but your party members will not avoid them. Right. I hate them. I, I hate it as an addition. <laughs> I, it just wastes your time. It, it feels it feels like they didn't finish developing it. Yeah. yeah. But you you always want Libra on for monster reasons, which means you can see the traps as well. Yeah. Um, and you go fight the rogue tomato. Mm-hmm. He's not hard. He's a basic enemy, but halfway through he'll run away from you. Like he'll jump off jump off of a cliff and start uh, you know, trailing you through other enemies, aggroing you. I think this is a very canny uh kind of demonstration uh that uh movement and world position end up mattering. You know, like you gotta go around and get them. Like this is not just a modal thing. Well, it's also teaching you about uh some MMO principles yes. of like developing a train. Mm-hmm. You know, or, or is that the, that's the phrase, right? When you got a bunch of enemies. Yeah. Jason, yeah, yeah, good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Yeah, a little. Yeah, I, I knew the MMO uh, vocab. There. Uh, after, when you go to leave the area, Vaughn sees some Galbina lilies to take back to the city because uh, he <laughs> likes that flower. Yeah. Uh, the uh, when you get back there, uh, the guards won't let you in, uh, and some chocobos trample his lilies. <laughs> this uh, feels there. like a metaphor for something. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Uh, <laughs> and Miguelo has to come and say like. You know, no, 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 he's with me. Yeah. He can come through. Yeah. Uh, once you get inside, uh, the console's per- parade has started. Uh, and we get introduced. Well, we saw him in the intro, but this is the proper introduction of Vane Solidor, uh, one of the sons of the Emperor of Arcadia. Uh, he rides in. Uh, he's a pretty boy. Um, and he uh, gets to his pulpit, and the crowd is against him at first. He gives his speech yes. to them, and uh, they're uh, they're shouting at him. Yeah. he He wins them over. Like he makes yeah. a persuasive speech in mm-hmm. this, you know, uh, like you don't like the empire. I get it, but we're going to make the quality of living better. Yeah. You we're going to preserve the peace. Yeah. We're going to preserve the, the, the peace that your King fought so hard. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the, uh, you know, Vane goes to, uh, to leave here and, uh, Miguelo greets him, you know, he's like, Oh, I can, I couldn't even presume to address you by name. You know, mm-hmm. you're, you're a prince. He's like, I'm not a prince. I'm just an elected official i'm just a citizen of robin ostra we're gonna hang out and drink until you call me by name yeah you know, he's, he's really playing good cop here. yeah i'm i'm not your boss i'm more like a boss buddy yeah, yeah. pull up a beanbag um <laughs> vaughn sees through this though uh and he's like no no i'm gonna go to the imperial ca- palace and steal something everyone's yeah. gonna be doing this feast i'm gonna go take something Penilla, who's like i don't know about that uh, baby <laughs> uh he's like no 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 this all belongs to us yeah. You know, they are an invading force. Fuck these guys. I'm going to rob that guy. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so Vaughn knows that there is uh, an old timer down in uh, Lowtown, uh, the kind of the subterranean parts of the city, uh, who will help him, you know, who, who will know how to get into the palace. Uh, goes and talks to old Dallin, 
who tells him, hey, there's this magically sealed door that'll get you into the treasury. Uh, but in order, in order to open it, I need you to power up this crescent stone uh, that'll make it work. To do that, you're going to need a sunstone from uh, from over in the Giza Plains. Yes. Uh, so you have to go there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you go to the Giza Plains. Again, very simple. Uh, we got snakes. We got hyenas. Um, there are a couple of harder enemies. I really like the design of Slaven, which oh, yeah. are these big bipedal like rocks with legs. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is also introducing you to aggressive beef gates. The yes. T-Rex would not fight you, uh, but there are werewolves around here who will kill you. Oh, yeah. They'll rip um, your limb from limb. <laughs> yep. I think uh, this is something that was objectively a shitty design in the original version that is saved by the Zodiac Age. Agree. If the last time I saved was at a save point and I just happened to walk into an area and mm-hmm. there's a monster and it just one shots me, that is bad design. Yeah. Uh, with a game with this amount, this kind of consequence, the fact that you can just reload and then just not go into that room mm-hmm. makes it okay. Yes. You know, it, it is fixed. I don't know why they chose to do it the way they did it. This mm-hmm. is better. Yeah. Um, you go to this village in the center of Giza Plains uh, where there are nomads who live there. And what they do, this all seems like it's going to be incredibly important. Yep. <laughs> uh, it's real. It's not. Uh, this is a, a, a minor subplot about magical stones. Mm-hmm. They use these sunstones where there are these like big obelisks that charge them up. Mm-hmm. Uh, that happens. So uh, they sent out a kid. They're like, hey, we sent out a kid to go charge up the stones. If you go find them, you can have one. Right. Go do it. And you do it. Uh, Pinello joins you. So you have another party member. Uh, you go find him, this kid. Uh, he's got an injured leg. And he'll give you a stone, but you had to finish his work. So you had to go to the various big obelisks and charge him up. It's just yeah. a task. There's nothing really to it. Yeah. Um, you get back to low town with your sunstone and old Dolan says, uh, Hey, there's another area in the, uh, Garam Scythe waterway down where you hunted rats. They'll go to the palace basements. Yes. Uh, go there and you'll find a secret door to the treasury. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Garam Scythe waterway is not really eventful. You're just fighting bats and rats. This is the part that was the, uh, that was the demo. Uh, really no interest to this. There are some like bigger enemies, these toad kind of, kind of dudes, but they're not doing like status effects right now. There's really no reason to prioritize one over the other. You're just kind yeah. of, uh, you know, waiting until their HP drains. Uh, we get a cutaway, uh, to a couple of different things that are happening here. Uh, the rebels are, uh, getting into the sewers here, uh, organizing their own attacks on the, on the, uh, palace. They're led by Vossler, who was from the introduction of the game. He was there alongside, uh, alongside Bosch and, uh, Rossler. Yep. And two, uh, eccentric looking people arrive on a hover bike as well. Mm-hmm. So everything is converging here. This is, this is the place to be. Yes. Um, it's worth noting now for this episode, the rest of this episode and next episode, uh, most of these dungeons, that's what the content's going to be. Yeah. You know, you fight bats and rats and then we're going to move on. <laughs> like if there's a marquee enemy or a new status effect that's introduced and bosses, we're going to slow down on, uh, mm-hmm. for most of this, we're just going to explain the gimmick and go. Yeah, uh, each each dungeon has like chaff. Each dungeon has like m- you know mid enemies, and then each dungeon has like specialized threats, and yes. that that's pretty much how it breaks out. Yep, and and the the mid enemies and the chaff do not require very much of you. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to stop, so we're not going to stop. Right. Um. So you get through the servants area into Damascus Palace, and you have to have a guy distract, like a dude does you a solid and distracts the guards. You can walk up past them to do like a weird little stealth sequence. There are all these mm-hmm. little bespoke systems in the intro to this game that never show up again. Yep. Um, where you yell as a distraction to lure guards to new joints in their weird, you know, this is like a palace like, uh, God, what, uh, Echo? Or what was that, that game we played? Oh, yeah. The, uh, 
yeah, uh, Echo was the name of it with the Space yeah. Palace. Yeah. It's just a big, empty place full of weird hallways, but not playing for horror, just taken seriously. Uh-huh. Uh, and there's somebody's like, they see you and you can yell and then they'll come over and stand in another node. You just reposition guards. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually to reach the specific seal that your stone will react with that you can get into the treasury, the secret yeah. room. Yeah. And the centerpiece here is this uh, statue that has a strange orange, orange rock uh, in the place of its head. Uh, yes. and so obviously this is the valuable thing when Vaughn goes to grab it, uh, these two strangers walk in and interrupt him. Uh, these are the people who arrived on the hover bike early, uh, earlier. These are Balthier and Fran, um, yes. two great characters. I love Balthier. Yeah. Uh, good, good character. These are sky pirates. We saw them show up before. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about characters as they get introduced in mm-hmm. this. Uh, Balthier is an arrogant Han Solo type. It's part mm-hmm. of why this has so much star Wars feeling to it. Yeah. He is very Han Solo. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he talks about himself as the leading man of the uh, of the story. You know, he's got a lot of flourish and flair. He's kind of like uh, Setzer, you know, or an Irvine, he, or like there's there's several like Final Fantasy characters that evoke this. He's like a teleporter accident between Setzer and Locke. Yeah, yep, yep. Uh, but but better written. Yes. You know, uh, <laughs> you know, more more fun to watch, uh, really mm-hmm. well acted. And then he has Fran with him, who is a Viera. Viera are nude bunny women, mm-hmm. and they uh the localization made them Icelandic. Mm-hmm. So she talks like Bjork. Yeah. Like she does <laughs> it's I don't really know how to do it, but in my head it's always you're, like this very baklava <laughs> voice. I, I I can tell you it is not talking like Stitch, which is what you it, just did. <laughs> it sounds like Stitch to me. Okay. There's a lot of some like of the up in the top of your throat. You know? <laughs> yeah. uh, the fact that they are Icelandic, uh, I don't know if this is me exoticizing Iceland, uh, but uh, it does uh, kind of uh, leaven them a little bit from being just, you know, elf stand-in, you know, for- forest people. You're going to find where, where they live. Fran has, uh, you know, willingly left. It is not usual for Vera to be outside of where she, you know, comes from, and definitely not um, uh, usual for Vera to be so um, uh, tight with a human. Yes, uh, which means human. Yes. No, I, I kind of hate that decision, but the the um, yeah, they they are elves. Like the Iceland mm-hmm. it gives them a different flavor. This is just the story of a wood elf who's gone to the city. Yes. We're we're dealing with big archetypical mm-hmm. stories here. We're not dealing with too much bespoke. What yeah. elevates it is the presentation. So the yeah. the the dial the uh accent is important mm-hmm. to the feel of Fran, even though Fran on the surface is a story we've seen a million fucking times. Yeah. I also I mean I like the relationship between Balthier and Fran. You know, like they you know, they trust each other implicitly, but they're kind, mm-hmm. of, kind of polar opposites in terms of their kind of affect, which is neat. Yeah. Yeah, I like how it's a romantic. Oh, yeah. uh, of course, I'm going to say that because I'm I don't like you know sex and games, but mm-hmm. it's this is not Fran is not anyone's girlfriend, right? You know Fran Fran is not here as a love interest for anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, I really appreciate that. Well, except for the male gaze, <laughs> yeah, except, yeah, except for the player because she her tits are hanging out because mm-hmm. they decided to make a race of bun naked bunny girls. Yeah, uh, for for some reason, um, nobody in this like this is this is a to me. Uh, and this, I don't, this is not an objective quality or good. It just appeals to my sensibilities. Mm-hmm. A refreshingly sexless game. Yeah. Uh, nobody in this game is horny. It's concerned with I'm, other stuff. Yeah. I, I love it. I just, that's, I want, 
you know, man, the world's going to fucking end. There are magic rocks about. You know, trying to bang. <laughs> like, have you heard about this magic rock? <laughs> it's de-affected. And this one's manufactured. Mm-hmm. Like, we, we can't fuck around with this. We got magic rocks about. Mm-hmm. Put your dick away. We can fuck later. Trust me. Yeah. Like, we save the world first. Like, I, I really appreciate that. Yeah. Um, the stone is thing called the goddess magicite. Uh, and it's what uh, they came there to take as well. Yes. Um, Vaughn decides to go along with him because he gets a little starstruck because they're sky pirates. Vaughn was just going to steal. Yeah. To steal. He didn't necessarily need this treasure. You would have a very different game if he just filled up his pockets with gold and left, <laughs> uh, which also would have accomplished his goals. But again, he's just here for the ride. Yeah. Um, you go to leave the palace and the Imperial airship attacks. Uh, the feast. Uh, it is named Ifrit. All the airships are named after old Final Fantasy sevens. Sevens. It's cute. <laughs> old Final Fantasy sevens. You got the Dirge of Cerberus. <laughs> yeah, You've yeah, got Dirge the Advent Cerberus. Children. Yeah, you got the Crisis Core. Yeah, uh, and you got the uh, the one with the uh, the the Turks. That's only mm-hmm. on phones. That's coming out. They're actually releasing uh, that uh, before Crisis. Yeah, yeah, before Crisis. Uh, it's weird. That's coming to America. Mm-hmm. Um, a remake of it, like a different version. Yeah. But they had followed uh, Balthier and Fran. Yeah. Uh, Balthier picks up Vaughn and carries him bodily onto Fran's hover cycle, uh, which gets shot down as they attempt to leave. Yeah. yeah. Uh, crash land in the sewer. And uh, mm-hmm. we find some defeated Imperials here. They say, hey, the rebels attacked, uh, you know, using the Fed as cover. Uh, and Balthier concludes, oh, Vane used that party as a way to draw out these rebels. And they could just pr- present a soft target that is as tempting as possible for the, for them to come get us. The effort wasn't here for them. It was for it, it, it was for the rebels. For the rebels. Yeah, it was a trap. You know, it's a trap, he says. Uh, we see a young woman uh, run from the rebels and fall down to our level. Uh, she calls herself Amelia, uh, mm-hmm. and she joins as a guest. This is Princess Ash. We could recognize her from the cutscenes, yeah. even though the characters don't quite get it just yet. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We'll talk about Ash once she is a uh, kind of a when more permanent reveals. part of the party. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, you do this little short trip through the sewers. Uh, we're already done. And we have our first uh, boss encounter. Uh, here, which are a bunch of flans that drop from the ceiling. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a really slow and a slow rolling us into the systems on this. Mm-hmm. Um, they have physical high physical resistance, and we don't have a magic user yet. Probably we have we have Fran who comes with that, but yes. uh, yeah, we haven't gone deep into the license board uh, at this point. And at least where I was at in this game, I had not uh, bought a lot of spells and stuff because I didn't have people to use them just yet. Like people were not in a class mm-hmm. for me, like kind of permanently put there yet. Yeah. We're also kind of rail railroaded away from the, um, away from the, the stores. Yes. We, we, this game constantly has a little message that says you will not be able to return to this area for a little while. Mm-hmm. Use a different save spot slot slot, yes. which is good. It's good that they warn you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the point being is like the, the big thing that affected me in this boss fight was that they could blind me. Yeah. So I was just, you know, using eye drops all the time uh, in this. That was the the big deal. My eyes. So. I'm not supposed to get pudding in them. Yeah. Yeah. It uh, feels good. Tastes good. <laughs> you know, doesn't see good. Um, yeah. And uh, this is kind of back to back. We, you know, very shortly after we beat these flans, uh, reach the room called the Cloaca of the Sewers. Each of the rooms has a fun little name to it. I enjoy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Cloaca um, and- of the Sewers, which... Is it, is it an elected position or is that <laughs> it's, it's appointed it's it's ceremonial yeah it's it's like you know you get the key to the the cloaca of the sewers you get it's an object you get it and it, you become the the sewer king sewer queen 
but we got a uh, we got we got a, a fire horse hanging around here. This is a boss called Firemane. Have no idea why it's here. I can't do a bonfire side chat read on it. Just a big horse made of flames. What's interesting? So that bonfire side chat DNA is only in hunts. Yes. Uh, if you look up hunts, you get a bestiary that has. It's weird. It has a perspective. Mm-hmm. There are like jokes in it. I love stuff. the bestiary in this game. Yeah, like there, there, there's it's some of the better writing in the game. It's mm-hmm. weird. The NPCs all absolutely suck colossal amounts of you know shit, but the bestiary is good in mm-hmm. terms of like writing and yeah. stuff. But it only is for hunts. You know, as far I mean, as far as I know, like, do you, can you look up who the fire main is? Uh, I'm not, you know, calling you out for not doing it, but like, n- you know what? I, 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 I didn't. Yeah, no, there, there's a bestiary for everything. Yeah. Okay. But, yeah, but, I, but, I. <laughs> Back when we were doing Monster uh, Mon- uh, Monster in my podcast, uh, I had suggested at one point doing the best theory for Final Fantasy XII as this. Yeah, it's generally pretty good, mm-hmm. uh, you know. And uh, yeah, but I don't, I didn't look it up every single time. Yeah. I'm playing a video game. Uh, the big thing here is that he's made of it's elemental resistances. So they just introduced status effects. Now they're introducing elemental resistances. Yeah. Uh, since he's made of fire, he's going to resist fire. You have to make sure Fran is not casting fire. Yeah. On him. Uh, it has a super powerful attack that will inflict poison on you, uh, weirdly. Uh, this mm-hmm. is kind of introducing ultimate attacks. It'll warn you when when one of these is coming up. Yes, it'll be like Firemane is charging yeah. this thing. Um, after the fight, we get captured immediately by Imperials. Uh, and Vayne is there. Vayne came by and starts saying threatening things to Amalia. Uh, you know, this is supposed to make us raise an eyebrow. Uh, she drew his attention. Mm-hmm. We're carried away. And uh, Vaughn apologizes to Pinello. Yeah, there. Yeah. And then we're introduced to another like weird little subplot that feels like it's going to be very important, but f- burns off pretty quick. No, they just they they need a uh, Boba Fett, Jabba the Hutt kind of deal. Exactly. There's 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 a gang of goofy Bonga mercenaries who mm-hmm. are like we were the ones who are supposed to. You said there's supposed to be four people here. We were mm-hmm. the ones who are supposed to kill Balthier. Yeah. So they're going to be uh, ch- chasing us around for a little bit. Uh, Vaughn gets knocked out and has a uh, coma dream uh, where he sees Rex kind of just sitting, his, his brother Rex, sitting limply in a uh, in a chair in this kind of white hospital room. Uh, it's meant, you know, feels like it's meant to evoke that. He walks up and, you know, doesn't respond when Vaughn talks, but Vaughn's like, hey, were you really, you know, could you kill the king? Like, was this you? And he says, no, I figure, you know, Bosch must have put you up to it. Like that, like he must have tricked you. Uh, he disappears. He leaves a ring, which Vaughn takes. Um, you wake up in the ground on the ground of the Nelbina dungeons. Um, they've sealed off the lowest level of the fortress to mm-hmm. turn into a prison, uh, where the judges do gladiator battles. And yeah. the judges are pretty different than they are mm-hmm. in Final Fantasy Tactics Advance. In, in Tactics um, Advance, they feel like they're features of the geography, whereas here they're like lieutenants, they're military commanders. Yeah, they're just they're generals. Yeah, you know, in this, and they all have different personalities and stuff. But there's I in my head because I had kind of. Uh, it was conflating this with Final Fantasy Tactics Advance. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, these guys are mystical and have like reality powers. No, you know, no. in Tactics Advance, like if you do the thing that they don't like, they like 
disappear you to a realm. Uh, <laughs> here they're just they're just guys in armor. Yeah, you know they're they're just folk. Yeah, you know? and they they end up being really interesting characters as a result of that. Some of the best performances in the game. Yeah, they're they're cool. I wish that we had spent like they're kind of like Turks E in yeah. this. I wish that we had spent more time with mm-hmm. more of them. I want more you know? Drace. Give me Drace. Yeah, Drace is great. Drace is cool. Yeah. Uh, so Vaughn, Fran, and Balthier uh, use one of these fights to escape, and we see the those bounty hunters. Uh, Bagamnan is the mm-hmm. uh, the main one. He followed there, and he's like, "Ooh, I was supposed to kill him again." You know, mm-hmm. he boss hogs. <laughs> uh, you follow some Imperials uh, to get out, and there, along with a judge, they use their magic and open a sealed door. That's how we get out. Yes. Uh, and we follow them. Uh, they're being led by Judge Gabranth, uh, who comes in and uh, walks up to Bosch, who is alive. You know, it's been two mm-hmm. years. He was charged with treason. Uh, and also, uh, Gabranth pulls off his helmet, and it reveals he is Bosch's twin brother. Bosch yes. is hanging in this cage. He's got a big old scraggly beard, uh, and he's all thin because, you know, again, two years. Uh, and he's here to kind of like toy with them. You know, uh, Gabranth calls Bosch, you know, less than a shadow, less than a man, sentenced to death, and yet you live. Why? Yeah. Uh, and he says to silence Andor, how many times may I say it? We don't know who Andor is yet. Andor is the narrator. Yeah. Guy, the Marquis. <laughs> uh, Gabranth uh, calls him a faithful hound clinging to a fallen kingdom. Mm-hmm. You know, Gabranth and Bosch threw away their homeland uh, of Landis. It just Gabranth joined the side that sacked it. So yeah. they're both expatriates from a from an area we don't really see. Uh, mm-hmm. One of which chose the losing side of this war is the implication. Yes. Uh, so Gabranth and the others leave. They've gotten what they wanted for now. And Vaughn, you know, sees this as an opportunity for revenge. He wants to. He wants answers. You know, he yep. jumps onto Bosch's cage, which is hanging over a void. You know, it's like, why? You, you, you're a betrayer. You killed my brother. You killed our king. What the fuck? Yeah. Uh, the cage falls and breaks, and they go deeper into the tunnel. And Bosch joins the party as a guest, but which Vaughn doesn't like. Yeah. Uh, you could wring a lot of pathos out of this, but like everything with Vaughn. Uh, it just he gets just taken decides. care of. Yeah, he just decides. He's like, I'm not actually mad about it. Mm-hmm. I now that I realize that I wasn't actually there, and I don't know, I don't know what I was going. <laughs> I was, oh, that was propaganda. I have a reason to distrust the empire. Uh-huh. Okay, you know, uh, just fucking idiot. I hate Vaughn so much. Um, the uh, I, but I didn't take him out of my party because I was like, oh, he'll be a thief. That makes sense flavor wise, and I want to be able to steal. Mm-hmm. So I ended up spending the entire game with Vaughn in my party, even though I would have loved to have booted him. No. So, yeah. Uh, so this uh, takes us into the Barheim passage. Yeah. Uh, the gates, they're powered by electricity, but they're not functional. Uh, first, we have to find a tube. There's just a little errand we have to do uh, to power up the circuits. But then we learn that uh, this passage is full of mimics, and mimics love electricity. Yes. Uh, so, so this dungeon has a gimmick. Um, they are draining the electricity in the dungeon which will cut out the lights, which will make zombies appear. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have to go hunt down the mimics. Once you kill them, the power comes back. Mm-hmm. They like puke it back up, but it yeah. ends up giving you, unlike every other dungeon in the game, like you have something you need to race towards to mm-hmm. kill first. Yeah. Like pretty strong gimmick for, for a dungeon in this game. Yeah. Which they just drop, yeah. uh, which is unfortunate. Uh, I love mimics in this. They're spidery uh, kind of things. Mm-hmm. They mimic uh, chess, which are kind of these, you know, in some regions, these real ornate things. Uh, there are also save uh, save crystal mimics as well. Mm-hmm. 
uh yeah. just a real fun dick move yeah uh fran fran who's down here goes Mr. especially strong uh and uh bosch tells vaughn you know he didn't kill his brother it was my yeah. twin <laughs> it was the one-armed man <laughs> it was the yeah. one ar- i don't care says vaughn <laughs> and uh you know bosch like you know, i don't expect you to believe this uh but you know believe my brother or, yeah, yes, or, yeah, like, but believe, believe in your brother believe, you know believe rex, in your brother yeah yeah, yeah rex yeah. wouldn't have gone along with that like just you, yeah. you know like I, I am offering an explanation you don't have to believe me just you know believe the person that you value yes uh after you go through this and get all the power back on uh you find the entrance to this this uh gigantic mimic queen and the mimic queen has little tiny mimics that mm-hmm. go around the arena draining power uh, so you can go and fight those little things, but she'll keep laying clutches of them. You can't just kill them all. You want to k- focus on her because the fight will end then. Yeah. Kill the source, kill the dungeon cloaca. That's birthing <laughs> these things. Not the, not the dungeon. Uh, the, uh, the mimics begin at birth. Yeah. So, so yeah, you just, you, you just end the fight as soon as you can. And, uh, it's not a, it's not a problem. Yeah. Uh, yep. We emerge. We're in the Dalmasca Esther Sands. You know, Bosch, he's, you know, wants to walk right back into the tiger's mouth. People still think that he's a, you know, tre- treasonous dog, but, you know, his duty to the kingdom has not changed. He's got to go yes. and, uh, you know, re- re- resume, resume that. Yeah. It's one of those things. It's very similar to like a Bioshock Infinite where he should wear a hat and shave. You know, like you, <laughs> well, you can do something. He, he, he does shave. He does yeah. shave, but he does it for like shaving reasons, not for disguise reasons. Yeah. You know, like it, it would make sense for him to put on a cloak or something. Mm-hmm. Um, they get back there. Uh, Bosch and the others leave when you are when you arrive. Leave Vaughn, so Vaughn's there. Belthier uh, tells Vaughn he can keep the the magicite. He says this is ill omen. It's bad luck. Yeah, yeah. It's going to turn out to be an important magic rock. Mm-hmm. Uh, Van takes it to Old Dolan, who gives him an errand. Uh, he gives Vaughn a sword of the order and says you need to find a man named Azalus uh, because I have a plan. Yeah. Well, he he doesn't even tell the plan to you know Devon. Just like you know, take take it back to this guy. Hopefully, he will uh, you know kind of remember his duty. He says yeah. as Devon leaves. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the people on the street lead us to this hideout. This is a little pocket of resistance, and it turns out that Azalus is Bossler. Uh, again, guy who's just kind of hanging around in the periphery was there alongside Amelia. Um, and he's currently in a confrontation with Bosch saying like, Hey, you know, you're, you're still a traitor and you just, your, your cage has no bars, but a cage remains, you know, just, uh, like you're, you're not an asset, even if I can trust you. Yep. Uh, Vossler says there are spies in the organization, uh, you know, and he, he sees foes everywhere and this, uh, treating everyone like that Imperial, a better Andor. So it gives a little bit more context on Andor before we meet him, uh, as Lando Calrissian. Yes. Uh, yeah. Bosch asks Van to help him find Balthier. You know, even a caged bird needs wings. Uh, he's going to go about his business, Vossler or no. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and here's where Vaughn decides not to have his backstory. And he's like, no, I'll <laughs> right. trust you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and they go uh, to the bar. Yeah, they go to the bar and they find Balthier and, and Fran at Sansi having a uh, an unpleasant conversation with Miguelo, who has sought them out. Uh, Penelope's been kidnapped. Uh, some shady figures grabbed her and left left a note for Balthier saying, "Like, hey, you want to rescue this young girl? Uh, you know, come find us. Uh, we're in the flying city of Bujerba." Yeah. Oh no, not Penelo. Uh, <laughs> so uh, Bosch wanted to go Berger- to Bujerba 
himself. Uh, so everyone gets on uh, Balthier's ship and takes off. Yes. Uh, there is a thing that happens here where you go to the sky, like the airport for this. Mm-hmm. And this allows you to travel to different continents before you get the airship mm-hmm. uh, by choosing either a private cabin, uh, which means it just you just teleport there, or a public one where there are stores and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, even in the Zodiac version, one of the rarest items in the game appears uh, 1% of the time mm-hmm. in here. It's invisible. And then 1% yep. of the time it appears, there's a 1% chance it has like this super bow in it super bow or a super sword yeah so even though they got rid of the the actual zodiac spear shit there's uh, still this there's still some real nonsense uh also the way you get here is you have to talk to balthier i went to the travel counter uh-huh. uh, for this and got kind of fucked uh, yeah. i was confused it's a lot so, of money at the start as well yes um to to, to hop aboard one of those yeah. yeah um but yeah we take the ship to uh to Bajerba. And we're immediately greeted when we when we land by this teen boy uh, calling himself Lamont, speaking very properly. And uh, mm-hmm. Malthier is keeping an eye on him. He doesn't trust him. Yes. Uh, Lamont's a great character. Love it. I like, I like Lamont. Uh, good boy. And well acted. Yes. Uh, the actor was 15 mm-hmm. at the time they did this, which is really Ridiculous. good for like, a teenage actor. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. Did, did a good job. Um, so our attention is on the Lusu mines. That's probably where they're... Where being kept. These are rich veins of magasite or magasite in Ivalis. Mm-hmm. Um, we get a little cutscene to Judge Geese marching through the mines with Marquis Andor. Andor is reassuring the judge that the mine magasite is discreetly making its way to Vane. Yeah. Uh, basically, the judge is keeping Andor in order. You know, this is right. a, a vassal state. Yeah. Uh, and Lamont is very knowledgeable about these, uh, these goings on, you know, saying like, Hey, the Imperial fleet's like massing around here, but you know, even the Marquis is not going to let the military just, you know, tromp around. They're not occupying this place. Um, and he says, Hey, you know, Andor served as this mediator for the surrender of Damasca, but there are these rumors that he's aiding the resistance in secret. Yeah. Have you seen star Wars? (laughs) He's Lando Calrissian. Uh, so you go to the mines, the Lusu mines. Uh, this is much more maze-like mm-hmm. uh, here. And in addition to just bats, which we've been fighting forever, they're undead, which kind of ambush you. Yeah. Uh, gives you a little bit of like more incident to the, the combat encounters, even though you don't do a lot of prep like yeah. per encounter. You know, so mm-hmm. an enemy just appearing versus me rounding a corner or just walking up to an enemy doesn't feel that different. Yeah. In this, uh, it's fine. Re- reacting to new information. It's like something uh, like rounded a corner on you and uh, joined the fight in an MMO. Like, oh, we accidentally drawed aggro on this thing. We, w- we weren't aware it was there. Yeah. And and at this point, you know, your gambits are rolling uh, to a degree at the very least. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the characters for me just took care of them. Yeah. You know, they didn't really do it. They just, they just, you guys figure that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the beginning of that. And it's slowly, you know, burnt the, got more intense as the game went on. Yeah. Um, we just empty mining chamber here and Lamont picks up a stone here. Uh, this is manufactured nethesite. Uh, I think that's never explained. People just say uh, manufactured nethesite. Yeah. Uh, eventually they say what this is, but it doesn't get explained here. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just like, Hey, it's manufactured nethesite. And I don't know what that means at this yeah. point. Um, you know, we, we don't know what that, like we eventually find out. Yeah, and characters yeah. talk about it, but it, it takes a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm I, I'm I'm good with that. I'm good with it being named and then not immediately being explained. That feels like re, you know realistic cadence. It, it's to me. It's surprising yeah. that they, they they did it that way. Yeah. Um, 
there's an interesting thing in the development of this. There's an interesting story where they talked about uh, Western versus uh, Japanese audiences and how uh, one of the things they did in localization was cut out a lot of characters explaining to each other stuff they would already know. Oh. Huh. Um, so, like, the example that I saw was the first – you can get cho- chocobos in this thing. They work on a timer and they stop you from having to fight stuff. Mm-hmm. Um and they they gate really annoying hidden areas. Yeah. Um, the uh, but they they in the Japanese version of this, you'd go up and the merchant would just say, "These are chocobos. You can ride them. This is how they work." Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the localized version, the merchant instead talks about a, a thief who stole his chocobo, mm-hmm. and kind of implies all the things that are you need to know about chocobos through more naturalistic dialogue. Yeah. Like, like it's, it's interesting to see what they did to cut down on people telling each other codexes. Yeah. Imagine, you know, just living, living in this world, living on earth, you walk up to somebody like, Hey, this is a horse. Uh, people yeah. can ride it, but sometimes they also do work. Yeah. <laughs> There's a two motorcycles, a little house in between them. Yeah. You know, yeah. The, the, uh, whoa. Yeah. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, so there's d- differentiation just uh, going into some of the rocks here. They're mining magicite. It's unusual that this manufactured nephesite is here. Uh, this is kind of laid out like this is an unnatural stone refined for magicite created by the Draclor laboratory laboratory. And both here perks up at this. Like he wants yeah. to know more, yeah. um, uh, for and, reasons we'll find out. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The tie uh, to the Draclor lab. But before we, uh, can learn more about this, we're ambushed. Uh, Begemnon shows up. Uh, and, uh, says like, Hey, you know, if you're looking for Penelo, she's not here. Uh, we cut her loose. Once you came into the mines, uh, you're, you're trapped, uh, and you're gonna have to fight us. This was changed. Uh, this actually was, uh, uh, you were going to find Penelo, uh, tied up here, but Mm -hmm. shortly, uh, before the game was released in Japan, there was a, uh, famous child murderer and kidnapper who, you know, kind of did something similar, you know, kidnapped girls and tied them up and they had to change this in order to not uh, uh get a higher rating for seeming ex- exploitative of this actual tragedy that happens yeah yeah it's also one of two there aren't very many of them uh that i ran into thing optional boss fights that uh-huh. are on the story path um you can fight here balthier says don't yes. he says we can't take them on run and they are tough i don't know if you get something cool if you fight them uh, mm-hmm. i just ran because the game it, told me to. Yeah, the game told me to. It felt more dramatic. Yeah. 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 I get to the mine entrance, and Lamont uh, steps out in front of the others uh, to stay hidden from a judge uh, who has found Pinello. Yeah. Um, this is where Balthier figures it out. Yeah. Uh, Balthier yeah. It, you know, says, hey, Lamont is actually Larsa. He's the youngest son of the Arcadian Emperor. He's Vane's younger brother, and he absolutely knows who we are. Yep. Uh, so Balthier tells Vaughn, you know, Penel is going to be safe. They're immediate. You know, we have to find Andor. Yeah. Uh, if he's been diverting money to resistance groups, that's our next step. Yeah. Uh, Bosch figures out that if Andor was to hear rumors of, of himself or Vaughn figures this out, that Bosch was still alive, it would inconvenience him enough. So he'd have to, to pay attention. Yes. Uh, because Andor was the one who announced that Bosch was executed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this introduces us. Every Final Fantasy game has a famously cringy part mm-hmm. to it. Uh, it's the laughing in Final Fantasy X. In this one, it is Vaughn running around town pressing a button that yells that he's Vosh. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, pretty. <laughs> it's funny. I'm Vosh. Why, 
why, why do they think this is like you have to maximize your your annoyance? You have to go around to specifically groups of people. If one of them's holding a book, they're worth more awareness points or whatever. And you want to make sure that you're not doing it near a city official because they will catch you and, and uh, reduce your meter to zero. Um, yeah. you're not just saying I'm Captain Vosh von Bosch von Ronsenberg. Uh, he'll also say, "Don't believe Andor's lies," yeah. <laughs> which I, it it really made me want to do a Photoshop of the uh the, the you know the "Don't believe his lies" from uh, Memento. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I just I really it's very funny that this works because this uh-huh. this little tiny like Tim Heidecker and the Crimbus special <laughs> just running around saying that he is this infamous criminal who was just there two years ago. Uh-huh. Like it's not ancient history or anything. Yeah. Like I just, I, I don't know how this convinces anybody, <laughs> you know, like a 15 year old kid rocks up to me and is like, Hey, I'm Steve Bannon. I'm Steve Bannon. I'm Steve Bannon. <laughs> like I'd be annoyed, but I wouldn't be like, that guy's really Steve Bannon. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, Look at him. Yeah. I, I cannot imagine this being convincing to anybody. Yeah. Uh, it is a pretty dumb plan. <laughs> uh, it works, but it is a it is a rare, stupid ball kind of thing. Yeah, and this. Uh, you know, so just uh, we we do this until we're pulled into a tavern by some local resistance. There's a cutaway uh, to uh, the airship. Uh, Pinello and Larsa are just kind of talking. She's not, you know, a prisoner. She's not being kept in a cell. She's just here with her buddy um, on the Leviathan. And Pinello says, like, hey, you know, just you have to understand, I don't trust the Empire. They took everything from me. And Lars is kind of surprised by this. You know, he, at least outwardly, you know, believes the hype about his family. Yes. Uh, you know, which Vane is both exploiting and undercutting by uh, by doing his stuff. Yep. Uh, Lars is a true believer. Yes. You know, and, and one of the things that happens with him is he loses his innocence. Yes. This. Uh, Andor is surprised to see Bosch alive. Uh this is all part of Vane's plot to keep Andor under his thumb. Yeah. Like this was collateral, you know, or yeah. leverage basically. Oh, like I could, I could reveal you to be a liar at any time. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And if a, if a politician got caught lying, <laughs> um, Bosch says, uh, his goal is to rescue Amalia. They're the, another resistance leader. Um, and they start kind of speaking in innuendo. Yeah. I love this. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. Honor says, "Oh, you know the you know the fleet is departing tonight. You know I've heard you know I've, I've heard that maybe they have some might have some valuable uh, folks on there. You know, surely you're aware of the exi- the exigencies of leadership. You might find the chain the enemy's chains as an easy burden to bear, which is basically saying like, you know, just yeah, we need to make this. If you want to get on there, I can get you on there, but we need to make it look legit. Uh, yeah. Balthier is like, no, don't do this. And Bosch just draws his sword. Yeah. <laughs> just like, you know, I'm going to kill you. And, <laughs> and uh, Andor calls. He calls for help so they can be arrested and taken onto the, onto the, the Leviathan. It's great. This, this uh, kind of speaking with subtext is something that I do not associate with this series. No, not at all. Like characters, not just stating directly what they want and who they are. Uh-huh. It's something that does not happen very often. It feels weird to praise a piece of fiction for using subtext. Uh, <laughs> That's the curve that we're on with this series, man. Uh-huh. Like I, it's, 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 I agree. It uh-huh. sucks that this, this counts as great, but it does uh, within the genre and within the series. Like that's pretty good. Yeah. You know, it's cool. Like you have to read between the lines a little bit. It's great. <laughs> you know, uh, we do a little, uh, we get captured. We do a little cutaway to Vane and Rabinostra, who is frustrated that the Senate is tying his hands when it comes to putting down the resistance. The Senate, and this is so funny, 
Uh-huh. It, it's like early Venture Brothers Council of 13. Uh-huh. But then they just, you know, get taken care of off camera and get, <laughs> you know, perp walked out. That's it. Yeah. Like it yeah. just, it really feels like they're going to be a really big deal. And it, <laughs> it, it's part of what gave it Star Wars feels to me because it's like, oh man, we're dealing with the fucking Senate. Yeah. No, like it's, it's going to be that kind of shit. Uh, it doesn't get wrapped up in procedure. They keep it just as intrigue. You yeah. Know? It, it, it goes it, away pretty quick, but the characters it, still get a lot of scenery to chew. Yeah. It, get, it, it exists to be overthrown. It doesn't wait until, you know, the beginning of the third movie to have it happen. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Gabranth walks in uh, with word from Andor. Uh, and Vane does not trust Andor, of course. He knows he's mm-hmm. a Lando. Uh, Gis is on his way with the fugitives, and Gabranth says he's going to kill uh, Bosch himself. Yeah. There. And Vane's like, oh, I, I really appreciate your sense of fraternity. Yes. The, uh, it's because that's his brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gabranth leads, leaves, and Dr. Sid comes in from Draclor Laboratory. Uh, Dr. Sid's a really great character in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's shitty. He's a villain. He's not like a deep character. I don't right. think, but he's really, really well performed. Oh yeah. Uh, in this and him being much more important than he initially seems here, I think is handled pretty well. Yeah. Uh, and you can tell there's a family resemblance, something that is, you know, aided by the fact that this is a good looking game. Like they actually have the ability to model characters who look like each other. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he looks exactly like Balthier. Uh, yep. and it just, he, he's, he's both ears dad. We can reasonably assume. Uh, and he has this progress report about this Nethocyte saying, Oh, you know, we must see the real thing to be sure. Nabudi taught us much. We're going to learn what happened to Nabudi, but, uh, uh yep. it, uh, yeah, it, we're, we can actually go in and see it's a challenge dungeon. Yep. Uh, it's, it's not great. Nope. And, uh, Sid says some, what TV tropes are called arc words in mm-hmm. this, you know, tells Vane, uh, their efforts will ensure that the reins of history will be in the hands of man. Yeah. Uh, kind of laying out the enemy plot and maybe a good point uh, to call mm-hmm. it for this episode. We've been recording yeah. for about three hours. We have. Uh, yeah. you know, we're, we, we are right before a uh, climax as we go in and get our final uh, final character on the Dreadnought Leviathan. Uh, mm-hmm. We have uh, portentous things happening all around. Uh, this has been fun. I'm really happy yeah. to finally be talking about this because this game is near and dear to my heart. Yeah, and I was happy to revisit it and find that I like it more, this version. Yes. Like, for me, you know, this is like a wrap-up thought thing, so this will be more next episode. But, like, it ends up being in the middle of the the Final Fantasies I like mm-hmm. for me. But uh, I was very happy to give it a second shot. There are things to recommend it. And yeah. it was one of those things where the remake just made the systems and the inelegances get out of the way long enough yeah. to where I could see see the story. Yeah. You know, and, and see the kind of pacing and presentation. Hey, Gary, do we have anything to highlight? We sure do. We always do. If uh, if you are listening to this and you have a project, an artistic project uh, or a fundraising thing, a podcast, music production, art, anything like that, and you are not a straight white cis dude, let us mm-hmm. know. Go to uh, email me at Gary at DuckFeed.TV and we might give you a shout out. Uh, like mm-hmm. we are in this episode, I'll give a shout out to uh, Victoria, who co-host and created a podcast called We Happen to Be Trans, a pop culture podcast, um, which is really cool. Uh, I like the perspective that she has on all this stuff. Um, the idea here is that they are, you know, it is uh, hosted by by trans women, but it's about pop culture in general. Uh, trans mm-hmm. individuals are not defined by their gender identity. Uh, mm-hmm. They also have opinions, you know, they can have opinions on Pop culture stuff yeah. the same way that that everyone can. Because of course they, they can. <laughs> they know? don't have to be forced to look at stuff from that perspective. Yeah. They can, it's, they it's, can analyze. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. You know, no, no, uh, no, no minority is, is a monolith. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, uh, so check that out. Um, that is called, uh, like I said, we happen to be trans, a pop culture mm-hmm. podcast. And then another project she did that I really am looking forward to, to personally checking out. I don't check out all the highlight stuff. I do a quick fast screening, but mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I don't have time. I just moved. I've been unpacking and stuff, but, uh, she created and co-hosted, um, an LGBTQ plus, uh, stream called Transvengers. Uh, for two years. And, uh, the idea it's, uh, three other trans women of various sexual identities, uh, answer questions about being trans and or gay. Uh, mm. and they raise money. Um, it was donated to the Trevor project. Um, you know, a couple people who were there came out during the show. It sounds oh, wow. really cool. Uh, and I want to say, uh, the, as just like a, a straight dude, mm-hmm. I get, I have questions about mm-hmm. cultures uh, that I am not part of. Yep. You know, I'm, I'm curious, uh, and it is sometimes difficult to know the decorum around asking, mm-hmm. you know, am I going to be offensive or hurt anyone's feelings just by asking? Right. You know, and that's not me saying like, Oh, people are so sensitive. Nobody has a responsibility no. to explain shit to me. Right. Uh, they're perfectly within their rights to, mm-hmm. and it's not my lane. I don't know. But the idea, I think that this is a huge service to have a stream, like have an event that like, can ask questions at, you know, yep. I, I cannot imagine the exhaustion of being a trans person or a gay person and just having to screen good faith questions. That's, you know? I mean, just, just somebody sea lining you just constantly. 100%. You know? And all yeah. I can think is like, oh, I'm not doing that. I just actually want to know. Uh, and they don't have any reason to trust me. Like I'm no. just a ding dong. So like having a thing where people are setting out to do that, I think is really cool. Yeah. So it is, it, it is a great service. And that is, that is a wonderful idea, uh, for a kind of event that, uh, yeah. uh I, I can, I can only imagine how useful that is for a number yep. of people. Uh, so that is a, a stream. Um, so the archives are up on Twitch. Uh, it is a long, you know, kind of thing for the individual archives of that, but you can go to the Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash transvengers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh, both these projects are currently on Hades, but they're going to come back. You can come and check out the archives and it sounds very useful to me. Yeah, we happen to be trans, pop culture podcast, and the Transvengers, um, yeah. LGBTQIA plus uh, Q&A. Yeah, uh, hosted by Victoria Maximus. Thank you. So yeah, so if you have uh, a project like that, you want to get, hopefully draw some attention to it, we're trying to do what we can, uh, mm-hmm. hit me up at gary at duckfeed.tv. Yeah. Uh, for our own promotional stuff, you can go to our Patreon um, and get extra bonus content. Uh, help out, help us out. Uh, support the entire network and this show. Uh, it is a cool thing to do, uh, we think, and you get cool stuff in return for it. Uh, also, we announced this a couple of episodes ago, but it bears repeating. Orb, our show about the Venture Brothers, is coming to an end, and we are replacing it with a new project, uh, Best Quality Vacuum, talking about Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. That'll be launching here sometime in the fall, and mm-hmm. uh, we'll have more t- details about that later. Uh, the reception to that, annou- to, to that announcement has been uh, wonderful. I am happy that people are excited. Uh, and this is just a cool time to be talking about stuff in that universe. Yeah. Uh, people have had mixed reactions to the name, uh, which is funny because I think the name is perfect. Uh, we could have called it like magnets you know, <laughs> or science, bitch, or something like that. Uh, and a couple of people you know, who also you know, express uh, apprehension about the name. Other people have been like, "Oh, are you guys gonna figure out whether Walt and and Saul are good people?" I don't no. think we're on any 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 <laughs> illusions about. Part of the reason why I like that name is because it is neutral. 
Uh-huh. Uh, the idea of treating anything like there are Breaking Bad memes, I think, are funny. The idea of branding the show around something like that is a mm-hmm. letting it off the hook. Yeah. It's more than just like, you know, magnets. Yeah, magnets. Like it, that's that's funny. <laughs> but also, it is a show about the corrupting influence of evil and men uh-huh. and how uh, it drags everyone around them down. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it is about heavy shit that we're going to take seriously. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the, the, just uh, the, the subtitle for the show should just be depiction is not endorsement. Yes. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, so join us on Patreon, as we mentioned, patreon.com slash TV. Get all those yeah. bonus episodes and everything. We really appreciate it. Uh, you can be like Nat. You can sponsor an episode. We still have a couple slots mm-hmm. left this year, but we're running low. And uh, yeah, ratings, reviews on Apple Podcasts and Podcast Addict. Please do. I, th- I think some of those people making uh, making fun of the name for uh, for for not being good. I think they were doing a pun on that. The, the, the people that I saw said that oh. name sucks. Got you <laughs> about that yeah, about I, it I being a vacuum. I'm I'm a bluntstone, I guess. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, they I'm, might all... I'm very Go used ahead. to people just drive by yelling at us and being me. Yeah, every everybody who said something negative said something along, along the lines of that name really sucks. Uh, yeah. So I can only, it could be both, you know, maybe the shitty, the shitty Beatles are really shitty, uh, yes. but, uh, but yeah, <laughs> so uh, there we go. I just wanted to throw, throw, throw that in there, but yeah, uh, thanks everybody for listening. We'll be, we'll be back with the remainder of Final Fantasy 12 next week. Uh, and until next time, leave Von and Pinello at the gas station. Yes. Fire department will take them in. <laughs> 